This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Professor Henry Jared's House of Wax. Come, ladies and gentlemen, see the world in wax. The Hall of Fame, a cultural exhibition that'll enlighten you, amaze you. See the lovely centers of ancient times, ladies and gentlemen. Visit our chamber of horrors and pass the time of day with notorious murderers who killed with the rope, the knife, and the axe. Thrills, chills, a lot of dirt for a price within the reach of all. Only at Professor Henry Jared's House of Wax. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a double feature week on Pod Cemetery. With 1953 and 2005's House of Wax. But before we get into the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. Who is the baby's father in Rosemary's Baby? I gotta think of his name. Guy. Guy, um... Fuck, what's his last name? Rosemary and Guy... Can I just say Guy? Can I give you Guy? Will you accept Guy? I'm extremely impressed that you came up with the name Guy. Uh-huh. Their last name is Woodhouse, just yes. so you know. You're looking for the actor? Guy Woodhouse is not the father. Oh, say, oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, it's so fucking easy. And you were like, is it Guy? And I'm like, that's the name of her husband? Well, he's going to be the one that raises him, so... Probably not. <laughs> father. God damn it. You suck. Kelsey. <laughs> Carolyn Jones, who plays Kathy in our first movie, would go on to play what famous black and white character 11 years later? In 1964? Or thereabouts. Oh, Mrs. Adams. Morticia Adams, that's yeah. right, from the Adams family. As soon as you said I was like, ah, yes, I was like, I know I've seen her before. <laughs> she's got a very particular look. It's yes. just that the hair is totally different. Yes, because she's a blonde in this. Yes. She is decidedly not in the Adams family. Not at she's all. She's also bright and bubbly in this, which yes. she is not in the Adams family, so yes. <laughs> well, let's get right into House of Wax from 1953. Directed by Andre de Toth, screenplay by Crane Wilbur, and story by Charles Belden, starring Vincent Price, Frank Lovejoy, Phyllis Kirk, Carolyn Jones, and Charles Bronson. Hey, Ma, how about some cookies? No dice. This ain't over. Okay. Do you know who Charles Bronson is? No. Wow, so this isn't going to mean anything to you. No. Well, was he in House of X? Igor? Oh, the the deaf one? Yes. I've definitely seen his face before. I See, that's the thing. I don't know if you would recognize it. He was in Once Upon a Time in the West. 
Death Wish, The Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape. He's in all the Death Wish movies, where basically he's a grumpy old man who needs to fight back against the street punks. Never even heard of it. Extremely violent movies. Literally never heard of it. From the 70s? Nope. I can't believe you've never heard of Death Wish. Nope. Bob is going to be very upset. Well, it doesn't sound like it's a movie I'd like. You also don't like westerns. Yeah. So there is that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought that was going to be bigger news. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> this was uh, Warner Brothers' first big 3D movie. And you can tell. Oh, yeah. It's made like Friday the 13th Part 3. You know, Not where quite they... as bad. I, there's moments. There's two big moments I can think of. Yeah. One being the credits. <laughs> no, there are moments within the movie where it's like, bah, something comes at you. Credits in the ping pong ball are kind of all I we'll can We'll get think to of. it, I think. Interestingly, apparently, I could not verify this, but Andre de Toth, the director, was blind in one eye and therefore could not see stereoscopic 3D. Oh, how sad. Yeah. <laughs> it is actually a remake itself. And what? is closer to its source material than the remake that we're watching at the end of this episode. Wow. Of a movie called Mystery of the Wax Museum from 1933. I have actually heard of that. Okay. It's virtually the same story. They didn't change a whole lot as far as the plot goes. Speaking of the plot, what is House of Wax about? An accomplished sculptor of wax. <laughs> yeah, I think we can assume. <laughs> Tragically, has his house of wax burned down, and uh, then he rebuilds in not quite the same way that he did it before. That's very vague, and I appreciate it. Uh-huh. It is available for free if you are a DirecTV subscriber. It is three to four dollars to rent and eight to ten dollars to buy from most marketplaces. Should people watch House of Wax? I would actually say yes. I would say that you should watch it. It's a little long. It's not. It's like an hour and a half. Oh, really? Yeah. It just, there's certain scenes that feel like they go on forever. The sure. first scene in the wax museum goes where the, where on. It burns down. For yes. ever. Takes, <laughs> there's no reason they should have spent that much time on that scene. None. <laughs> uh, there's but, a rumor that the set actually did physically burn down. It wasn't supposed to, and the fire got out of control uh, and caused fire damage to the Warner Brothers lot. Oh. Yeah. And so everyone was like, shit, keep the cameras going because <laughs> oh. all the statues were melting and they're like, we got to film it. All right. Well, I mean, that makes sense. But yeah. That so they scene, might as well. They got all this footage. They might as well use it. feels like, oh, my God, I it fucking on get it. Yes, <laughs> that is true. But uh, no, I would definitely see this. I liked it a lot. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I really, really liked it. I was very surprised. I'm sad because I don't think you liked the new one. I liked this movie more than I liked House on Haunted Hill. Because it's a better movie than House yeah, oh, on Haunted Hill. Oh, it's very much a better movie. House on like, Haunted Hill is pretty cheap compared to this. Right, but I'm talking like Vincent Price movies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I haven't seen enough Vincent this Price is, movies. This is a surprisingly high-quality film. It is, With yeah. an intriguing plot. Yeah. And even if you know what's going on, it doesn't matter. It's still a good movie. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. So you could take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 1953's House of Wax. 
Hey everybody, happy Halloween from Turner Classic Movies. I'm Ben Mankiewicz. 3D was used to make a number of films in the 1950s, including our next selection, which we will be bringing you in fabulous 2D. From 1953, Vincent Price and Phyllis Kirk star in House of Wax. It was a story that had been told on film before the 1933 Warner Brothers classic Mystery of the Wax Museum. But Warners felt it was time to remake that story and give it new life by shooting it in color and in 3D. The posters promised moviegoers that, quote, beauty and terror meet in your seat as every thrill of its story comes off the screen right at you. As with most 3D movies from the 50s, the 3D component was more hype than hit. From 1953, also featuring Carolyn Jones and a 32-year-old actor named Charles Bronson under his original name, Charles Baczynski. Here's House of Wax. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does House of Wax begin? Well, we start with gigantic text credits. We do. That's because it's 3D. Yep. (laughs) All on a wet street corner, which we'll never see again. Like, why did you put your credits here? Weird. Yeah, well, I mean, it's where the first scene's going to take place. Yeah. So we get to see the House of Wax, and of course, Vincent Price is there. He is the accomplished sculptor I spoke about earlier. Professor Henry Jared. He will explain that the name Professor was conferred upon him for theatrics. He's not actually a professor. My friend Sidney Wallace, Professor Jared. It's a great pleasure. For me also, Professor. That's the title that was bestowed on me when I became an exhibitor. It has little to do with my real work. And he does wax sculptures of, like, famous historical figures. Yeah, like moments in time. Yes. And his business associate walks in and he is clearly very disgruntled with their partnership. This is Matthew Burke played by Roy Roberts. And Vincent Price tells him, hey, you know what? Today we had 200 paid admissions. That's pretty great. And his associate's like, no, it's not nearly enough. We should be turning people away. Yes. It's funny because there's a really great line that I think sets up who Jared is supposed to be at the beginning of the movie, which is going to turn into something much different in the second half of this movie, or I guess the middle of this movie. Matthew says, Who cares a hang about history and wax? There are people in the world who love beauty, but more who want sensation, shock. Morbidly curious. (laughs) I won't cater to them. Their money's as good as anybody else's. You should have seen them turning them away at that wax museum on 23rd Street tonight, the Eden Musee. The story's the same at Madame Tussauds in London. You'd only listen to me, John. I know, Matthew. I'd put in a chamber of horrors. Murder, torture, execution, scare the living daylights out of people. I don't care for that kind of patronage. It's funny because he's Vincent fucking Price. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I thought that was an interesting comment. I wonder if that's true about wax museums because I've been to Madame Tussauds in uh, London. There's the one that used to be open in Buena Park next to Knott's Berry Farm. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. The Hollywood Wax Museum. But the one... In England, the famous one, Madame Tussauds, or however you say her name, I've never been able to say it right, it was only, like, famous people. Yeah, no, it's just celebrities, yes. Yeah, so, Uh I don't know if that was a thing they used to do. Well, I mean, back then, celebrity wasn't, so this is turn of the century, we should probably point out. This is, like, 1900. Excellent point, I forgot about that. That hit me out of nowhere. I was like, they're using horses and carriages? Oh, this is a time period piece. Right, when the fire department comes roaring by, and you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) 
So Vincent Price tells him, hey, man, don't worry. You might be out of this business venture soon. I've got this art dealer coming and he actually, you know, cares about art. So he might buy you out. And when he when this guy shows up, he shows him around. He shows him Cleopatra and Mark Anthony. Marie Antoinette, which is like his best one. It's his favorite. Yes. It's his they're all his children, he says. Yes, and he does talk to them and stuff like that. Do you really hear what they say, Jared? Of course. He's got President Lincoln's assassination, as well as the Joan of Arc, and he's absolutely, the guy who's looking around at this stuff, he's just like, wow, this is great. This is all beautiful work. Unfortunately, I'm going to Egypt for three, for months, three months tomorrow. Yeah, but when we, but when I come back, we can talk about it. And he's like, well, awesome. Thank you. Like, he's a really gracious guy, Jared. Yes. He's kind. He's gentle. He's gracious. And Vincent Price plays him fucking perfectly. I Like, seriously, I thought he did an incredible job. And when he leaves, Sidney Wallace is his name. Matthew comes back out and Vincent Price is like, Jared, he's like, well, Matthew, I you may be bought out of here just yet. And... Matthew's like, yeah, in three fucking months, I'm not waiting that long. <laughs> I went out now. We can both make 25 grand. How does that sound to you? And he's like, what are you talking about? All it takes is one little match. This whole place goes up in smoke. And we both get out of here $25,000 richer. And Jared's like, fuck that. These are my children. I love this. You can go. I'm staying. And Matthew's like, nope. <laughs> and he just yeah. lights the match. Matthew goes insane. And he just sets the place on fire. I mean, they get like into multiple fist fights. Yes. Multiple. And constantly, Vincent Price is trying to stop him from putting this place on fire. But they keep getting to fights. And the, uh, Matthew is clearly the better fighter here. Uh-huh. And, and at this point, he's just like, fuck it. Jared's going down too. And I get all of it then. Yeah, he doesn't give a flying fuck if his associate dies. <laughs> yeah. But I wrote down here, just like you mentioned earlier, dude sure is sticking around a long time while everything is going up in flames. Like, legitimately, this set is on fire. Fire. There are no camera tricks here. And he's just running around the set, all made out of wood, mind you. And he goes into a room. He's in there for a while. The fire's building. He comes back out. Then he goes to turn on the gas. Oh, he blows out all of the gas lights, which, you know, are just gas fires. And he blows out the fire so the gas is leaking. And now it's like, just in character at least, this place is going to explode why are you still here? <laughs> he just sticks around forever. And then the door gets caught and it takes him a while to get the door open. Yes. Yes. And he leaves Vincent Price there and we don't see what happens to him. Then the fire department comes and then and then jumps forward in time, like a couple weeks or something. We don't know. It's an indeterminate amount of time. But Matthew is hanging out with his lady friend and talking about, hey, we're going to be drowning in money. Let's go on these fun adventures and stuff like that. There's only one last little thing. They needed to see a body. And the girlfriend, who, by the way, is in fact Carolyn Jones, playing Kathy, says... Yeah, they always want a corpse. <laughs> it's such a great line. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, but it's the statute of limitations on the time that they're waiting to find a body is wrapping up. 
And so they're just going to sign it all over to me and then I'm going to get the insurance money. And she insinuates that, great, then we can get married. And he's like, Oh, actually, I love this conversation. (laughs) She's like, let's go to Niagara Falls. And he's like, what's in Niagara Falls? And she's like, we can get married, you know, make it official. She doesn't ever say get married. She just says make it official. Oh, and he goes, why not? It could be fun. Yeah, but he's very obviously like nope about this. Yes. But it doesn't matter. He's not going to get very much time to worry about this. Not at all, because <laughs> when he gets home that evening, a burned up Vincent Price, very much like I, I mean, not total Freddy, but I would imagine they got like some. Like the proto Freddy, sure. Yeah. It's more that his face is melting. Yeah. And he is waiting for him in his study and he strangles Matthew with a rope and then makes it look like he killed himself. By hanging himself down an elevator shaft. Yes. Very yeah. effective. Where the cleaning lady sees him and screams. Cut to. However many weeks after that. Morticia Adams. <laughs> yes. So Kathy is getting put into this ridiculous corset. Now, here's the thing. I wonder if, I mean, because I always just figured that was her figure. Because well, I mean, the whole thing with Morticia Adams is that she has, like, this hourglass figure to her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know if she really did have to wear corsets like that that Probably. Tiny, or if she just had that kind of figure. But, yeah, like, I'm it's... I'm sure it's a little bit of both. It's a little disgusting. Like, I don't mean, like, morally. It is. But, like, physically, to see a person's body do that, like... It makes you go, oh, it's not attractive. We used to break our ribs. I know. That is, I don't get it. We used to break our ribs. Okay. So she is with her friend who is named Sue. Sue, yes. Which I kept remembering. I was like, how do I, how am I going to remember that fucking name? Sue Snell. uh, (laughs) Carrie. So Sue Allen, played (laughs) by Phyllis Kirk. So Sue is helping her into her super tight corset. And they're having a funny little conversation. Kathy totally admits, she's just like, you've got brains, but I don't. And I'm glad that we're friends, you know? And Sue is just like, you've been such a nice friend to me. So Sue is kind of supposed to be like the plain Jane girl, which she's totally not. No, she is so much more attractive than (laughs) Kathy is. She's very attractive, but she is definitely supposed to be the brunette quiet yeah uh-huh not the not the blonde bombshell with the knockout figure exactly yeah. so like kathy will never have to get a job because kathy will always have men paying for her uh-huh. whereas she has to ask sue hey did you get that job and sue's like no i didn't yeah. or she has another interview and and kathy's like oh be careful i know about that manager yeah he's handsy uh-huh but Kathy also promises that, hey, you know what? I'm dating this rich guy now. I can float you rent or whatever, you know, if you don't end up getting it. And they're obviously really good friends. So they live in this kind of like a boarding house almost for yes. young women, young single women. Yes. So later that night, Sue will come home. Having not got the job. Did not get the job. And the woman who owns the boarding house the landlady, comes out yeah. and immediately is like, where's my money? And she's like, I don't have it, but don't worry, because Kathy said she would give me some money. And she goes, well, you better go up and get it from her now. She's home, by the way, because otherwise you are not sleeping in this house. But what does Sue find? She finds Kathy dead in bed. I don't know why he kills her. Well, he was already dating her. He was the old man that she was dating. 
fuck are you talking about? She said she was seeing an older gentleman. That was Vincent Price with his mask. I think that's the implication, at least. Okay, they did not make that clear enough. Because he was, he he saw her. She was the girl who was dating Matthew, so he knew who she was and got close to her again. That's why it's funny that she comments on the guy that she's seeing is a little older than I might like, but he's loaded or whatever, you know, and he's a really cleaned up older gentleman. So I just assumed, but we never meet this guy that she's dating, but it makes total sense that it would be Vincent Price's character. It does. I just I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. So he kills her. Oh, I know why I probably didn't think about that, because his mask is bullshit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The mask thing is total bullshit. <laughs> Fucking... We saw 10 years later in Stray Jacket, you can't make that kind of mask move. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but they're just going to say, no, it can. <laughs> right. Totally. Because I think the suspension of disbelief for audiences back then was a little bit, the bar was lower, I would say. Clearly. But when she comes in and she finds her dead, what else does she find in the room? She finds the scary man with the melty face. Yes. He freaks out and he jumps out the window, not having completed his task because he killed her, but he did not take her, which was his original plan. So she freaks out and he chases after her. She runs through the streets. All the people in the house here is just the scream. And they call for the cops. Yes. They find the corpse. Yes. And they call for the cops. So Kathy runs away and she winds up at the house of her mother's friend and her son. And you think there's going to be a, like a relationship here? There's not. I mean, there's kind of a thing like that. You would assume they would end up getting married if everything went well. And, you know, when she gets in to this house, they call. Th- we see the police uh-huh. and they show up on their bicycles. Yep. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> So this son of the mother's friend is Scott Andrews, played by Paul Picerni, Picerni, Picerni. I don't know how you pronounce that. And he's like, I'm going to go out there and check if everything's okay. And she's like, no, please don't go out there. He'll kill you. He goes out there and he doesn't see shit. (laughs) But she stays far away from that house because, like, he knows where she lives. The cops end up interviewing everyone in the house and is like, who found the body then? Because nobody is the one who found the body. And they're like, ah, oh, that was Sue. Where the fuck is Sue? Oh, she ran screaming. I don't know. <laughs> Overnight, Kathy's body is brought to the morgue in a room full of dead bodies. One of those dead bodies pops up in a 3D scare. Oh, okay. It pops up towards the camera and oh. they comment away of like, Oh, what the hell's going on with that? Uh, This is your first time you've ever seen one jump up like that? That happens all the time. And they just lay it back down. The morticians leave. And then another body pops up. But this time, it's actually Melty Face Vincent Price. How he got in, who knows? We assume through the window, because that's the way he leaves. (laughs) He finds Kathy, and he basically... Like, throws her out the window with a rope. Yep. And there are two men who we have never seen before end up taking this wrapped up body and putting it in a truck. And then he very lithely just, like, repels out the window with the rope. (laughs) So the next morning, the Andrews take Sue to go and meet the lieutenant and the sergeant. 
Well, we also find out the two other bodies have gone missing as well. Yeah, not just Kathy, but two other bodies, one of whom was a police officer? A detective. I think it was the detective that was looking into the the death of uh of Matthew, but I don't know oh, why Matthew. they would look into that since it was a was a I don't know. It got a little con- convoluted. They didn't really explain but why the detective was taken. But they did know one of the dead and that his body was taken, right? Uh, which is going to be important a little bit later. Yeah, there were a couple of bodies that were taken in addition to Kathy's. But she gives them all her story and they're like, yeah, okay. That's weird. You should have come to us last night. What the fuck? So, Sidney Wallace, the art dealer, has gotten back from Egypt. So clearly it's been it's three been months It's been at least now. three months. <laughs> well, long enough for... Jared to presumably have been missing this long and set up a new house of wax. He has two assistants. One is a mute deaf and one is an alcoholic ex-con. Yeah, but nobody knows about the alcoholic ex-con part yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> one is like the actual star of the show who Jared taught And since Jared's hands are all burned up, he can't sculpt the way he used to. He cannot perform his magic the way he used to. So this assistant, Leon Averill, does the sculpting for him under his tutelage. And Igor is like the assistant. He goes around doing everything. He's a gruff and strong man, but he's a mute. He also is learning from Jared how to sculpt, but everything he sculpts ends up looking like him. (laughs) So when there's a figure... That's supposed to be reenacting the electric chair. That convict who's getting electrocuted looks exactly like Charles Bronson, because that's who Igor is. <laughs> He's credited as Charles Bukinski in this oh. before he changed his name when he became a star. Oh. But so... He explains to them that he is rebuilding from the ground up. They ask him, how did you survive? And he's just like, I don't really know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just woke up and I was fine. <laughs> and he's like, and I've decided to give the people what they want. Horror. Every scene is a classic scene of murder. Like some of them, Joan of Arc, John Wilkes Lincoln. Booth killing Lincoln are like from the original set. He just re-sculpted them or had them re-sculpted by Avril. But others are ones we hadn't seen before, and then there's, like, this room of actual horror. Yeah, the first guy who was ever electrocuted to death, the first, uh, I think. The guillotine. And Sidney Wallace asks him, have you turned your back on beauty? And he says, no, but I can no longer make it, so I won't. (laughs) Crimes of violence will be reproduced in wax and exhibited while they are still fresh in the public mind. What do you think of my scheme? I think it'll succeed, commercially. Though it doesn't sound like you. You turned your back on beauty? No. No, but I can no longer create it. I've never forgotten your Marie Antoinette. Nor have I. She will be the leading lady of my new exhibition. But I must find her first. Find her? A model, I mean. Oh, yes, there will be beauty for contrast, for nothing else. But each subject must be taken from life. How can I convince my audience they're alive if I don't believe it myself? Such a compelling character. Yes. And who do we see on the floor? We see an actual death scene of like of notorious merit from recent times. 
We see Matthew he hanging says, in the elevator shaft. He says he's going to do new exp- exhibitions every time there's a new big death that happens. Yeah, and so uh-huh. that's what he's done and here. And since this one was recent, it was in all the newspapers and it was his ex-business partner. That gives it an added sort of morbidness. Yes. So what have we realized he is clearly doing? He is taking these bodies, he is coating them in wax, and he is putting them up on display. Super fucked up. Yeah. Such a dark concept. So the detective we talked about earlier is John Wilkes Booth. Uh, Kathy is Joan of Arc. So yeah, it's really fucked up. It's a very dark idea. So it's fascinating that this came from a 1930s movie. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, basically the same plot, except in that version, the main character, Jared, was the one who was named Igor. Sidney Wallace decides to invest. They have an opening night and we get some, what is it called? Is that a paddle ball? Yes. Like, just to the point of obnoxiousness, like... Come on, we don't need a ping pong ball being thrust at us in 3D. It's it's a paddle ball. It's a rubber ball tied to a rubber uh, string and attached to a paddle. It's a paddle ball. And it's a professional. And he's doing like two at a time. And he's he's a barker. They've hired him just to drum up attention and get people interested and maybe they'll walk inside. And he ends up turning to the audience and talking directly to the audience. Things like, yeah, there's a man with a popcorn. You know, and (laughs) da-da-da-da. See if I can get it in your popcorn, not in your mouth. And da-da-da-da. His big closing act is that he actually does pop one directly into his mouth and then he does three. He, he pull, does another one and then he pulls out a third one and does that one too. Yeah. It's a whole big thing. He ends up smacking it at people in the street. And this street. goes on for way too long. It's It was their 3D thrill. I here. know. And that's sad. It's the <laughs> same thing when you see Jaws 3D, Friday the 13th Part 3. How dare you? Friday the 13th 3D is amazing. Do you remember when they have the arrow heading towards the screen? Hey, at the- least that's something scary instead of a paddle ball. Oh, is it? Is it? Is it? Then what about the yo-yo, Kelsey? <laughs> there is a yo-yo in Friday the 13th Part 3. It is base. It is effectively the paddle ball I of that movie. I am dying to see that in 3D. <laughs> I would absolutely love to. <laughs> yes, if anyone knows of any showings of these 3D horror movies in Southern California, please let us know. Of course, probably not now, but <laughs> in the future when it is happening. That would be so fucking cool. There is one set piece that we do not see here. And it was his piece de resistance. It was the the child that he loved the most, Marie Antoinette, who he could never recreate. It was the most lifelike thing. If you watch the beginning of this movie, you will think it's a real human. And Chris I'm, thought it was a real I'm human. I'm not 100% convinced that in some shots it wasn't. I didn't think it was a human being. But, like, then you get close up and you realize that, no, it's it's not. But, like, it yes, it is very impressive. So they're taking a group of people through and looking at all of the exhibits. Now, again, this is the turn of the century, and this was a time when women were expected to be 
horrified by things like this. And on top of that, the real reason that we did use to do so much fainting is because of how tight the course. Yeah, were. you couldn't breathe anyway. Blood flow wasn't going to the right so places. So if you were in shock, yeah, you were uh-huh. going to faint. Um, so the joke here is that the women keep fainting and they need all these smelling salts. Have you ever used smelling salts? No. I have. It was a thing we did in the Boy Scouts. Like, we had them just in case. So occasionally we would just be like, like, just fuck with somebody and, like, you break it. And though in that one it was a liquid, you know. And, but in this one, it was it was like a little pod that you would snap and you would put under somebody's nose. And it's a shock to the system. Like, it legitimately is. So that's what it does. It just, like, you know, you ever smell something and then, like, your whole face just goes. Bruh! It's like that. But it's Jared is the one who he's out there and he's talking to some people. We'll get to that in a second. And he's like, do you need some smelling salts? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, during this time, Mm -hmm. Sue and Scott will show up. Yeah. Scott, who is a sculptor by trade and was, yes, and was interested in the wax museum. He's like, hey, you know what? You got nothing else to do. Let me take you to the wax museum. And what does she zero in on pretty much immediately? Joan of Arc. Yes. Looks that, exactly like Kathy. That is her friend, Kathy, and she just can't shake it. It, it. That is my friend. This does not make sense. And she tells Scott, and Scott's like, there's got to be some explanation for it. And this whole time, Jared's listening in. And eventually, he imposes himself on their conversation, and he explains, no, yeah, absolutely. It is your friend, Kathy, the one who was strangled in her bed that one night. I saw her in the newspaper. And I, I knew I had to model my Joan of Arc after her. As a matter of fact, Avril will also talk to them and talk about how he got, we'll find out, we'll find this out later, that he got photographs from the police archives of her autopsy. And that's how it was so accurate. We know better, though. She says, it. I mean, it looks like a human being to me. And he says, that's the finest compliment um, I could receive. So yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. But she just cannot let this go. Mm -mm. So Vincent Price tells Scott, dude, you're awesome. I know who you are. Be one of my, be one of my understudies. My apprentice. Then he looks at, at Sue and he's like, you're beautiful. You should be my model for Marie Antoinette. And I immediately wrote down, dude, you can't kill them. Yeah. Everyone knows where they're going now. Like a weird, like you can't do that. You can't just be like, come by tomorrow and then murder them because everyone's going to know you did it. Well, to be fair, his plans change. True. They weren't originally to just fucking kill her. But yes, he was like, you're perfect. You are my Marie Antoinette. You're the way that I will be able to recreate my most precious child. But Scott gets a job. Yeah, so Scott's going to come back tomorrow. And she can come back anytime. It's like, you can come anytime. I don't care. I will I will accept you coming anytime. Scott, tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You'll be welcome at any time, no matter what I'm doing. And you, Mr. Andrews, in the morning. And that night, she will again see the creepy version of Vincent Price. But he just runs away. <laughs> yeah, melty face Vincent Price. He just shows up and scares her and then he runs away. <laughs> I'm trying to remember why he was where she was. I don't know. But she screams, which is what makes him run away. Yeah. uh But so then Scott is going to take 
Sue to a can-can show for some reason? Listen, it's the turn of the century. You don't have a lot of options for entertainment. So, yes, a new 3D feature, legs getting kicked in the air towards the camera. Oh, that's interesting. And the, the f- rustling underskirts. It's so funny because she talks about uh, it doesn't seem proper for her to be there. Yeah. And he's like, what? You're a, you know. It's the turn an of adult the century. Woman? Yeah, yeah. Get over it's it. It's a new era. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at lunch here, she will tell Scott there's just something about that wax figure i know every expression she was my best friend they are all there and she specifically says her right ear is pierced why would they do that uh-huh just the right ear she they had didn't this quirky in, thing about her she didn't put they didn't put earrings there uh-huh. they just made her ear pierced why would they do that uh-huh scott's like go to the police we'll talk to the police and they'll set you straight don't worry about it so they go to see the police And she tells them it's just an intuition. And they say, well, intuition ain't what we need, lady. Facts are what we need. But as soon as she leaves. Just facts, ma'am. Yes. But as soon as she leaves. The lieutenant tells the sergeant, we'd better go over there and check things out. Which is interesting because we're so used to horror movies, cops just being assholes. Yeah. And having to push and push and push for them to do anything. It's one of the things I hate the most about horror movies is when the main character isn't believed. This coming from the man who wouldn't believe me if I told him there was a ghost in the house? Yeah. You're saying that the most frustrating thing is when the person isn't believed? No, when that's the plot element. The plot element is, oh, no one believes her. And like, we're going to take up 50% of this movie dealing with this fucking bullshit? Like, come on. It's not clever. Move on to the good stuff. Like, that's my thought process here. So... (laughs) Not in real life. No, in real life. <laughs> fuck you, you liar. <laughs> but I like the idea that like, hey, you know what? It doesn't hurt to check the place out. You know, I think in real life, that's a reasonable response. It's not just like, ah, you daffy dame, you know. Well, it's just like in the remake of The Haunting. I can't believe you won't look. Right. Soon as she leaves, I'm going to look. Yeah. But unlike this cop... He gets there. It's locked. Eh. Yeah. What am I doing? (laughs) I'm listening to a woman. (laughs) No, these cops, they go down there and they're like, huh, these do look really, really interesting. And I actually wrote down here, the police show up and see two subjects whose bodies both happen to be missing. Andrew and Kathy are both exhibits there. They both look incredibly lifelike and they're both missing bodies. How do you not put this together? But they are. That's the thing. They're just not saying it out loud because the next thing that happens is they go to the John Wilkes booth and they're like, does this guy look familiar to you? Does he look like that cop that whose body went missing? And like, oh, I can't, it's hard to tell with the mustache. Yeah, but take off the whiskers and doesn't he look like they, like they put two and two together Pretty quickly before you're just like, oh, come on. Like, it's at that moment where you're like, this is overwhelming at this point. You should probably jump to this conclusion. They do. So I appreciated that, too. Well, but they don't do anything here. So they might can't prove anything yet. I guess. Also, at the same time, Sue has also come back 
And she notices, so she's asking him about, like, why did you do all these specific things, like the earring, etc. And he's just like, it, it has to be realistic. If I don't do it realistic, then what's the point? And she's like, but you even included the twist on her neck. And she's supposed to be Joan of Arc. Yeah. Why would Who's she have burned? that? Yeah. You know? Just these little things. So that night, Scott is at work. Uh-huh. Late and that night. At yeah. Late at night, uh-huh. yes. And uh, Vincent Price says, I'm so sorry to have kept you late. <laughs> sorry I've kept you so late here tonight, Scott. I love his voice. It is so fucking perfect. <laughs> love it. He says, sorry I kept you so late. But Scott's like, no problem, dude. My girl's coming to see me. So I guess maybe they have started maybe seeing each other. Yeah, I think it's just like a, like a, hey, it's expected at this point, you know? Like, I'm your best guy friend. I'm single. You're single. And I'm protecting you, too. So, like, Why it's kind not? of expected that we get together at this point, you mm-hmm. know? So like, what the fuck is she doing? But before she can get there, Vincent Price sends him off on an errand. Go do this thing for me. Yeah. This is when Avril... The alcoholic ex-con. Have we found that out yet? <laughs> yes, yes. We have found that out at this point that uh, the, the one of the cops was talking about this guy that, that uh, he escaped from prison? No, they gave him parole because he did like the, um, oh, but then he, what's it called? The, the Last Supper. He did like oh, the Last yeah, Supper yeah, yeah. on his wall and they were like, oh, he's a genius and they let him off. Yeah, but then he disappeared on them. Yeah, he And he they didn't know where parole. he went. Yeah. Yes. And now- Somebody saw some painting that he did of Jesus and the disciples, and they're like, this is the same guy. (laughs) And so they pick him up on a bender, and they deprive him of his alcohol. And what does he have on him? A gold watch, which is important because why, Kelsey? It belonged to the detective that they have. Or the DA, right? I wrote DA. I don't know if he's a DA or a detective. Yeah, whatever he is. Mm -hmm. Some sort of cop. (laughs) Yes. The guy that was John Wilkes Booth. (laughs) (laughs) And so now they're like, well, now we have you under suspicion of murder at this point. And he's like, I didn't do it. Eventually he breaks down and he tells them that Vincent Price is the murderer. And we helped him cover these dead bodies in wax and put them on display. But I didn't kill nobody. Yes. I helped him take the bodies, but I did not kill anyone. All right, I'll tell you what I hope. Patterson was killed because he looked like Booth. You killed him? No, not I. Jared at Waxworks. His hands were no good. He had to take subjects from real life. You helped him? No, they were already dead. What about Burke? He's there, too. In Wax. He was the one who set fire to the old museum. Jared came out of it alive, but insane. Kathy Gray? Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc, that's Kathy. She's there with all the rest of them. That whole place is a morgue. He'll do the same with Sue Allen if he ever gets his hands on her. You've got to stop him. You've got to stop him before he does any more killing. Meanwhile, Sue shows up to a dark wax museum. Yeah, and Igor's kind of like watching her and following her and hiding behind exhibits, including the one of himself in the electric chair. (laughs) Yes, he pretends pretends to be a sculpture of himself. It's pretty funny. Yes, just his head. Yeah, (laughs) separate from the electric chair one, yeah. He also uh, locks the door behind her. Yeah. And so she's getting very scared. I don't know if you've ever been in a wax museum, have you? Yeah. What do you think of them? I don't think they're incredibly realistic. 
They don't creep me out at all. Oh, they creep me out. There's a picture of me. I think I'm standing next to Marilyn Monroe and probably James Dean. And you can tell I'm like, this? Because <laughs> I'm just like, please don't make me stand next to these things anymore. They are creepy as shit. I think they're cool, but I think they're fucking creepy. There's that picture of me from Universal Studios standing next to Vin Diesel. <laughs> That's not a wax figure, but it's effectively the same thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's more like, oh, Sylvester Stallone is shorter than I thought. <laughs> like, it's that kind of stuff. But so she's very obviously getting creeped out, and then she walks by the the hanging man, and I I was wondering the whole movie, why is it constantly swinging? <laughs> yes, that is unnatural, it's just supposed to be a creepy effect. And she just looks at it, and she's like... No, that looks like the guy that she was seeing. Yeah. Then she goes back over to Joan of Arc, and what does she do? She climbs up on the pyre. Which she then, did earlier, yeah, by the way. because uh -huh, she wanted to get a closer look at it, but now she's touching it, and then she takes off its wig and finds Kathy's blonde hair underneath. And it's so creepy. And then all of a sudden, Vincent Price's voice from this wheelchair behind her says something to the effect of, you shouldn't have done that. Yes. And then she looks and she's like, oh my God, you killed her or whatever. And then he just fucking stands up from this wheelchair. It's pretty good. It's so good. I forget what she does. Does she like punch him or slap him? No, she runs away here. No, she breaks his mask That comes. That comes a little bit later, but oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she hits him and it smashes his mask as he's approaching her and, and it reveals that he's really the melty face underneath. I thought it would have been at least more plausible if the melty face was a wax mask, especially since how they do that melty face is they put makeup on top of Vincent Price's real face. And Which is the only way you can make a, a quote-unquote mask yes. move so, with your face. <laughs> so it's obviously bigger, right, than his real face. So the melty face version of Vincent Price has a bigger face <laughs> than the version with the plaster mask <laughs> because it shatters. Yeah, it shatters. But it still moves. Yeah. It's a cool effect, but if you think about it for longer than half a second, it totally falls apart. But that's it's, the point is audiences at the time, they didn't give a shit about that kind of stuff. It's the biggest downfall of the film. It really is. But whatever. Well, it's just, it's absurd. It, it's just like, if it's made out of something that can shatter, it can't, it can't move. move like, like what yeah, are you uh -huh. even thinking? Come on. I loved this movie so much that I was like, I'll let it slide. <laughs> and so he's chasing after her. Meanwhile, Scott shows back up. Yes. But he doesn't hear her screaming. Nope. No, he's just walking through a silent building uh -huh. where a woman is screaming her head off in the back and he cannot hear it. But then he sees the wig on the floor uh -huh. and he sees the wheelchair that's just sitting there and he's like, uh. What, what? happened here? <laughs> you hope it was a miracle. <laughs> he ends up fighting the deaf mute. Yes. So him and Igor get into a fight. Apparently there's this really popular story that he refused to do the guillotine fall. So he and Igor get into this fight. He, Igor ends up knocking him out, putting his head in the guillotine. And trying to kill him. Trying to way. kill him, but the police show up mm -hmm. and they end up capturing Igor, but Igor does not go down without a fight. Uh, but they do eventually stop him. They, they wake up 
Scott and pull his head out, and then the guillotine falls without any cuts in the film, and it falls really fast and really loudly, like that is really heavy. It's a real guillotine. Um, it's probably not sharpened or anything like that, but that would have killed him. So he was like, fuck this. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and so DeToth was like, okay, you're fired. And Warner Brothers ended up getting on the director's case, getting the guy to come back. And it's like, no, you have to use him. We're not refilming all the scenes. We're not doing all of that. You're going to have to use him. Either he does it or you got to change the scene. And so director ends up convincing the dude to do it once and only once. And that's in addition to additional safety measures that they had. I don't know exactly what specifically those measures were, but yeah, it all in in camera, the dude sits up and then down comes this guillotine. Why would they even risk that? Why not just have a cut? Because it's a cool effect. It is a cool effect, but yeah. why risk someone's life for it? <laughs> it's especially when you think about the fact the whole mask thing and that they were asking people to suspend their disbelief there. Yeah. But not enough to live through a cut. Yeah. But it is thrilling. It is very thrilling. It's like when you see fucking Tom Cruise make that jump in Mission Impossible and know that he broke his foot and ankle in the shot that you're seeing on screen. When you see him holding onto the side of an airplane and you know that he was actually on the side of an airplane when it took off. Like that kind of shit is thrilling. Does it thrill you to know that Atreyu almost fucking died? Does no, it thrill because you? That has, that has nothing to do with the thrill of the scene. Does it thrill he you? He got to... trapped under the hydraulics. Does it thrill you to know that the Wicked Witch of the West almost died? No, because those are accidents with the machinery that had nothing to do with the thrill of the scene itself. <laughs> anyway, so yes, he ends up living, but meanwhile. Down in the basement with all this wax machinery, she is naked. They don't show you. So they always show her feet, her hands, and her from the shoulders up. That's all they'll show you. But she's naked. She's been drugged. And so she passes out just as she's realizing what's about to happen to her. She's like scraping at the side of this box that she's in where they coat the plaster figurines or whatever it is that the cores are made out of. And they put wax on top of. And she ends up falling asleep because he drugs her. And then the police show up. He gets into a fight. One of the police officers punches him and he falls backwards into the boiling wax and supposedly dies there. Why do you say supposedly? Because they never retrieve his body or anything like that. The movie practically ends here. <laughs> um, the lieutenant throws his jacket over Sue's naked body very respectfully. And then the next day he was. she said, oh, I heard you put the coat on me when I was like but ass naked and he's like i felt like the right thing <laughs> but they also show her the sculpted head of her that was originally going to be the marie antoinette before he decided he had to kill her and and coat her body in wax so that was the original plan the original plan was just to use her as a model until she found out his secret and then he was going to kill her which muddies the water even further why did he kill Kathy, it just doesn't make sense. There's zero reason for him to have killed her. That's a good her. question. I'm sure they gave us a BS excuse for why he took the, fu he, why he well, took the body the of the cop. Well, I think the whole thing is that he's gone insane 
and with the fire and and he already was a little bit twisted when he thought his sculptures were his children and he talked to them and they're like do they talk back and he's like of course <laughs> do you really hear what they say jared of course <laughs> oh my god but then it ends really stupidly they so they take igor in he's the only person who's left and they're like he'll have a beard by the time he gets out Cut to end. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you chose to end yeah. your film? Are you kidding me? We're talking about a character we don't even care about, about hey. him going to jail for a long time? Hey. That's Charles Bronson you're talking about. Stupid way to end it. <laughs> oh, Bronson, that fighter guy? No. <laughs> oh. No, the prisoner fighter that, what's his face? Yes. That's why he selected that name. Ah. That's not his real name. He chose that name after Charles Bronson. <laughs> okay. Yeah, before I forget, I did come into this world as Michael Peterson, but I'll go out with my fighting name, Charlie Bronson, which is my old ego. One other bad thing about it, I think, is that it has a couple, like count them on one hand, but enough that's like incredibly obvious right front and center in the shot of just terrible ADR. <laughs> yeah, that always bothers me. Like Chris. their mouth is just talking and then they say something completely different. The tone is off. I the audio's off. I don't give a shit if it's every once in a while. It doesn't bother me. But if it's the whole movie, that bothers well, me. Well, it wasn't the whole movie. It's right. not like the movie was dubbed or anything like that. But there were moments where it's just like, why was that dubbed? Like the rest of the scene was fine. The audio was probably bad. Yeah. What did they change a line in post? It was the like, fucking fifties. I guess they just assume people not to care. <laughs> but I care. I care. <laughs> so Kelsey, yeah. What do you think House of Wax nineteen fifty three has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm gonna take a guess at ninety three. Ninety five, actually. House of Wax is a three D horror delight that combines the atmospheric eeriness of the Wax Museum with the always chilling presence of Vincent Price. No Metacritic score or cinema score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Maybe just slightly overrated. Like just slightly though. Like I legitimately loved this movie. I'm gonna give it an eighty eight. I was gonna give it a ninety. I'm giving it an 88. I really do like it. I thought it was very good. I mean, I was expecting it to be at least it fun because of Vincent Price. Yeah. But it definitely exceeded my expectations. And it definitely went... So the remake is going to take the dark stuff and really, really focus on it, make that the whole movie. I think that maybe the original could have gone even darker, but it's pretty effing dark for a 1953 film. So that makes me just fascinated. I want to see the mystery at the Wax Museum. I, I will watch this movie again. I bought it because it was like eight bucks or something like that on iTunes, I think. So I was like, yeah, I, I'll watch it twice at some point. You know, I'll watch it a second time. I will absolutely watch this movie again. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I know that's the term I use a lot. I think I think I loved this movie. I think it was very good. Charming is all fuck, especially with Vincent Price. It doesn't quite have the watchability that I'm looking for. Like, I'm not stoked to see this again right away. I think I, I just watching Vincent Price on screen is just incredible. And and I it's this isn't the first Vincent Price movie we've covered on this show. <sighs> but, like, it's one of the most intriguing performances he's had as a sort of, like, soft, gentle 
homicidal maniac. <laughs> like, it's interesting. I liked it a lot. He's like super intense, but like kind, kind, yeah, and sweet, yeah. It's weird. It's but I like it really good. Like yeah. I think he did a fantastic job at bringing this character to life. I agree. So before we move into our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia. What was written on a hotel door in the Overlook? Red rum was written on the door, but if you saw it in the mirror, it said murder. <laughs> It's Red Room. Yeah, okay. But it actually says what was written on a hotel door in The Shining. Oh, okay. Just like, just give the answer away. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kelsey, in 1922's Nosferatu, Max Schreck as Count Orlock blinks how many times on film? I'm going to say none. Once. Once. He does blink once on film. Damn it. All right, Kelsey, moving on to the next film in our double feature, 2005's House of Wax, which ironically, between the two of them, is not the more faithful remake. (laughs) It kind of deviates quite a bit. Directed by Haume Colette Seurat, Sarah, whatever, with a story by Charles Belden, screenplay by Chad Hayes and Carrie W. Hayes, starring Chad Michael Murray... Paris Hilton, Elisha Cuthbert, Brian Van Holt, and Jared Padalecki. Baby Jared! <laughs> what is this House of Wax all about? So, I know that Chris was not a, as big of a fan. I still think it was pretty I thought it was a lot good. better than I thought it was going to be. Yes, this movie had every excuse in the world to be a piece of shit, and it's not. It's a little shallow. There's not a lot going on here. Oh, of course, of course. It basically was like, hey, I want to make another movie about a group of teenagers that get killed off. I want to make another slasher. But the writer was like, that sounds so boring. And then they watched House of Wax, and they were like, what if I combine the two? Yeah. And personally, I, I think it was a great way to bring it Bring it into the the 2000s. I think it did not get the respect it deserved uh, in its time. Absolutely not. A lot of people wrote this off as, oh, it's the one with Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking. And a lot of the reason people saw it was to see her die. She sold merchandise specifically about the fact that she dies in this movie. People wrote it off. I know I did. Uh, and it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It is not a fantastic movie. No. Do not get me wrong. It is just a lot better than you think it's going to be. It is so much better than you thought it was going to be. And it's hilarious because I saw it <laughs> and I didn't remember this. I couldn't, for the life of me, I could not remember why the fuck did I ever see this movie? Because it was not in my wheelhouse in 2005. I was a senior in high school. It would have, just like Chris is saying, it probably looked terrible to me. I probably would have thought it was going to be miserable. I I figured, I must have seen it because I liked Paris Hilton. Because, fuck everybody, I think she's gorgeous. I think she's beautiful. And 
she was really popular at the time, and I didn't give a fuck that people thought she was an idiot. I was just like, she's fucking gorgeous, and I wish I looked like that. So I, I liked her, and I thought she was funny, because, you know, maybe she is not the smartest person in the world, but there were definitely times where it was like, no, she's being she's, funny, guys. She's shallow and self-absorbed. But and... she was doing it on purpose. It was part of her persona. Now, I'm not saying she's a good person. That's high. I'm just saying that that's... <laughs> I liked that she didn't give a shit what anybody thought. But anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, I was like, that must be why I saw it. And it wasn't until the very end of this film that I was like, oh my God, I just had a rush of memory. For fucking no reason. No reason. The credits of this movie include My Chemical Romance's like first big hit. Not that don't you do that you are a big my chemical romance fan <laughs> your perspective is different than the average person's their first big hit was i'm not okay it was not helena I, no i don't think that that was the first big hit that's right don't don't listen to the the hardcore mcr fan right that's my point is you're a hardcore fan <laughs> i'm not okay i promise September 13th, 2004, peaked on the U.S. Billboard charts at number 86. Helena released March of the next year. So, yes, it did, in fact, come later. Peaked on the U.S. charts at number 33, 50 points higher. I'm telling you, it was their first big hit. <laughs> it wasn't the first song that was released as a single. It was their first big hit where it was like part of the zeitgeist. And people knew about it, and people all of a sudden knew who My Chemical Romance were, rather than them just being a one-hit wonder who peaked in the 80s on the top 100. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about. But, like, for no reason, that song kind of debuted with this movie. But I remembered. I had totally forgotten this. I, because I, I was an enormous MCR fan. I, yes. cannot, I cannot make that clear to you. There's just no way to explain it. But... I knew that one of their songs was going to be in the movie, and I was just like, gotta fucking see it. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being furious throughout the film, being like, when is my fucking song going to be in here? And then when it came on at the end, I was just like, what the fuck? I was just, I was super mad. <laughs> but, That's how it gets integrated into this movie? But at the same time, I was like, that movie wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it, I mean, it, it worked exactly how it was planned, I guess. <laughs> so the movie is free with a subscription on HBO Max, which is how we watched it. $3 to rent and $10 to buy on almost every service. Should people watch House of Wax? I'm going to say yes. I think it's decent. And like I said, it's a fresh way of taking a good movie and bringing it into a new era. I'm going to say you can see it or not. You won't be deprived if you don't see it. You won't be wowed if you do see it. I was just pleasantly surprised, much in the same way that we were pleasantly surprised by the Friday the 13th remake. Another movie with Jared Padalecki. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> we're like, you know, that wasn't that bad, actually. <laughs> So, like, that's kind of how it is with this one. Well, it's especially when you think about just how awful the 2000s 
horror was, especially when you consider how bad um, the remakes were. Like Nightmare on Elm Street was, Mm -hmm. even though it had your boyfriend in it. Yeah. And like, like so many really terrible horror movies, especially remakes in the 2000s. Yeah. And... This wasn't one of the bad ones. No. It, it unfortunately got lumped in with them. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not stellar. It's not great. You're not going to be terribly impressed. But hey, it's just not bad. Okay, we're making it sound like Jared Padalecki is always a go-to. No. Not so. No. Because he was also in Cry Wolf. <laughs> that movie was terrible. <laughs> was he in Cry Wolf? Yes. You're right. He Baby was. Baby Jared Padalecki. The dude from Texas or whatever, right? Tex, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, you can take our advice or leave it. No skin off our nose. But when we get back, we will talk about 2005's House of Wax. Is anybody? No one's here. Where's that House of Wax? You're not going to go in, are you? Look how detailed this is. All right, Kelsey, can you get us started on House of Wax, Ot 5? What happens? We start in 1974. Yeah, with some fun camera work, I gotta say. Yeah? I was like, oh, oh, is this... They're doing fun things with the camera right away. But, like, is it meaningful? Does it actually mean anything? Well, what fun things are you talking about? You know, like, the way that they did creative camera angles and camera movements, keeping the faces out out of the shot. And they were interesting and fun, but that's why I asked my question. Like, is it actually meaningful, though? I don't think they kept that up as... They were just trying to like, oh, isn't this weird family life? Well, they also didn't want you to see anything. Yes. For a very specific reason. Yeah, but I don't I don't mean just the faces out of the camera. It's like what they did with the camera instead of just, you know, doing a Muppet baby shot where you can't <laughs> see above the knees or whatever. <laughs> so we see a woman who is uh, melting wax into molds. And she has a child sitting there eating his breakfast nicely in walks her husband with their other child and he says he's being a real monster today he kicks and screams and so they have to strap him down he ends up scratching his mom's uh hand and she slaps him and i think one of the i think the wax mold breaks yes and she's like why can't you be more like your brother yes who's just sitting there quietly eating the cereal mm-hmm. or whatever it is that they're eating it is cereal Cut to today, and we get to meet our main character, played by Alicia Cuthbert. Her name is... Carly. And her boyfriend is Jared Padalecki. Jared Padalecki. Jared Padalecki is Wade, Carly's boyfriend. Yes. And we also get to see Paris Hilton, who is her best friend. Paige. She has her boyfriend as well, and I immediately recognized him from Cousin Skeeter, which Chris had never heard of. Nope, never heard of it. He plays Blake. His name is... Okay, it's spelled Robert Richard, but there's an apostrophe after the I in Richard. So is it Richard or is it Richard? Might be Richard. I, I would guess it's Richard. 
So it's Robert Richard. Okay. He was also on Veronica Mars. Yes, for a couple episodes, I think. I think he plays yeah. an asshole. Yeah. He's got those stunning blue eyes. You know him. Yes. We also find out in this conversation that her brother is also here, and that is going to be played by Chad Michael Murray. Chad Michael Murray from One Tree Hill. <laughs> I, I just kind of knew that he existed. Yes. Never think- seen an episode of One Tree Hill in my life. No. And I knew he was in that Cinderella movie, which I didn't see. Oh, right. Yeah, there was like a whole time when they were trying to make Chad Michael Murray the new like Hollywood heartthrob or whatever. Didn't really stick. Yeah, Cinderella so story. Like he's a good looking dude. Freaky Friday. Yeah, Freaky Friday. That oh, was he's in funny. Riverdale now. Never seen an episode. Or at least nine episodes of it. Yeah, I know. We're bad people for not watching Riverdale. We know. But so we also find out here that Paris Hilton thinks she might be pregnant, but it's so unimportant. It is so unimportant. All the stuff that they try to shove into this one scene about who these people are doesn't matter at all. They try to tell you about, like, the money issues that Alicia Cuthbert has. But again, it, it, none wow. of this is unimportant. I completely even forgot that was a thing. Yeah. It's totally unimportant. None of it matters. But the real human beings, Kelsey, they're people. Yes, exactly. They wanted to make them three-dimensional characters. <laughs> but so, meanwhile, Paris Hilton's boyfriend is looking at his GPS and has found a shortcut to the football game that they are headed to. And this is when we will meet Alicia Cuthbert's brother, played by... Chad Michael Murray, yeah. And he will come out with his friend, the dude from Scary Movie... <laughs> John Abrahams, <laughs> Is he been who's just else? like the scary movie guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's, that's how we know him. <laughs> um, meet the parents. That's right. He's the brother, the one with the weed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we meet the two of them. And Chad Michael Murray is a total douchebag. He walks by a homeless guy and kicks the homeless guy's cup out of his hand. Yeah. And then, well, and then Nick says, get a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, right away, you're supposed to think, oh, these guys are bad. They got bad attitudes. There's the silly one, which is scary movie guy. Who is filming everybody and getting in on everybody's nerves Uh because he won't stop filming with his stupid camera. And then there's just the total disaffected, I'm too cool for school, Nick, who's Chad Michael Murray. Yes. And right here... Right from the get-go. Right from the get-go. It starts. It he starts. gives his sister a look. <laughs> I wrote these down as the I want to fuck my sister moment. <laughs> Number one, when we first meet him and he sits down, he gives her a look. <laughs> it's supposed to be like a we have a past because and he, I'm thinking about that. They're supposed to be twins. Yeah. And he helps his sister out by telling his friend, stop filming my sister. Yeah. But the look he gives her is not. And there's a second one in this scene, too. <laughs> yes. So we're going to keep track of the I want to fuck my sister moments. <laughs> and they are going to be tweeted. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Pod Cemetery. <laughs> So Paris Hilton and her boyfriend are in a truck by themselves, and the other four are in Padalecki's car. And obviously the brother and his friend are dicks to Padalecki. Now, 
again, there's kind of like a backstory going on here where he thinks that Alicia Cuthbert, his sister, is picking this southern boy just because she thinks she's supposed to. It's the right thing to do. But right. none of it again will ever matter. No, it really won't. Like, I don't know why they tried to shove in story where there's no story to be had. So they are following Paris Hilton and her boyfriend and there's a stupid joke where it looks like Paris Hilton is giving him a blowjob. But she lost her chapstick or something like that. She actually lost her yeah. chapstick. It's getting really late or something, and they don't think they're going to make it, so we might as well camp out on the side of the road. And on their way to go and stop on the side of the road, they see a sign for a wax museum. And when Padalecki is like, hey, we should go to that, Chad Michael Murray says, yeah, you sure do like things that pretend to be other things. Like, what does this even mean? We don't know. We're just setting up (laughs) that that Nick does not like Wade. Even though he kind of does, like, later he'll stick up for him when his friend makes up well, on no, him. No, him and Dalton, the scary movie guy, later on in the movie, they're like, you know, Wade is actually kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I don't know why we give him such a hard time. So weird. <laughs> I guess it's an opportunity for Nick and Wade to, like, become more likable. Like, it's instant likability because we like Wade. <laughs> and so they're giving him a hard time. And then at a certain moment when it's just the two of them alone, they're like... We should probably take it easy on Wade. He seems like a cool guy. If anyone's going to be dating your sister, at least it's him. <laughs> like, And so you, they kind of get instant likability points there. Yeah. And you're going to need to like them for anything that happens to them in this movie to matter. Exactly. That's true. And this is where I wrote down. So this is when they're starting to go camping. They're camping now. And I wrote down soundtrack for this movie is painfully nostalgic. Oh, yeah. Which is funny because they didn't really pick, like, they didn't pick songs that we all knew, but they picked bands that we all knew. Yeah. So even though, and and a very clear emo sound, which is why I guess MCR sort of like a, like, a, like an emo indie rock kind yes. of thing. Like it's very two thousand and five, I guess. Right. <laughs> yes. There's there's Interpol. There's Disturbed, there's the Deftones who've been around longer than 2000, obviously, but like My Chemical Romance, which we mentioned before, and then there's some older stuff, there's, you know, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, there's Joy Division, oh, and there's very much Marilyn Manson (laughs) in this, like, very obviously. But it just, it took me right back to high school. Oh, sure, yeah. So... The guys are throwing a football around, and of course, Chad Michael Murray is too cool for school, so he's just sitting there. And the football gets thrown kind of right at him, and he doesn't touch it. Jared Padalecki is like, come on, dude, throw it to me, and you won't do it. So Padalecki's like, all right. So he goes to get the ball. That's when Chad Michael Murray will throw the ball. And again, we get backstory here about how he was a football player that had an injury and then then became a criminal. And I'm like, again, all of this is going to just be forgotten like none of this is important it's so not important like they're adding these this like you say they're trying to make the characters three-dimensional right but like none of it has to do with fucking anything (laughs) anything i mean if you wanted to make it so that he 
that he needed to be able to throw something later that was going to be important. Maybe I could understand yeah. that. But no, if you were going to do something with Paris Hilton and her boyfriend about them being pregnant, maybe. But no, if you were going to do something about the fact that Alicia Cuthbert needs money and maybe she feels the need to go into the wax museum and steal from them or something, uh -huh. maybe. But no. Yeah, none of it has to do with anything. <laughs> Chad Michael Murray just wants to be a dick. <laughs> And Jared Padalecki is like, oh, wow, that was a really great throw. I can see why you were like a star quarterback. And then Nick turns that into something to be upset about. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a great tragedy. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, you know, like one of those sorts of things. And Carly has to come by and sort of diffuse the situation. And Wade's like, oh, whoa, dude, like, I was just saying you threw the ball well. Like, you know, and this is another moment where they have this sort of confrontation, Carly and Nick. And then she walks away. And he just, like, stares at her as she walks yes. away. This is I Want to Fuck My Sister moment number three. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did Chad Michael Murray want Alicia Cuthbert? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they have this sexual chemistry. <laughs> it's just incredible. Look, Alicia Cuthbert is drop-dead gorgeous. I yes. understand. Yes, but Chad is. Michael Murray, you are her twin. Yes. <laughs> it's called acting. <laughs> yes. Tone it down a little bit, man. <laughs> There's just steam coming off of the tube. <laughs> but yeah, like, there's this whole story about how Murray, like, stole a fucking car, but really it was his friend. Yeah, it was the friend, and the friend didn't have a record, but Who he did, so he took the fall. Shit? That's also instant likability points for Nick. True, true. They are making you like him. Uh -huh. That's true. Now, this part does somewhat have to do with the plot. He brings up the fact that I'm your evil twin. Yes. And that will become part of the story. Yeah, the because fact that they're twins and one's evil and one's good. Exactly. And we did see that earlier. We, we uh -huh. Maybe we didn't know they were twins, but it's become pretty obvious. Yeah. There was one kid who was a perfect angel and one kid who was a monster. Same yeah. thing happening here. As they are just kind of all hanging out, a smell comes upon them. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? Yes, and uh, Murray will ask his friend Dalton, did you crap your pants again? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Just Whoa! Yeah. Disgusting. But they're like, no, something is dead out here. But that's when Paris Hilton's boyfriend is like, let's drink! Fuck it! You know? Yeah. Nothing we can do about it. There's like this weird scene, I guess we're supposed to be building up their friendships where the girls like make up Dalton, they, like, dress him up. And oh, yeah, uh-huh. Like, They're what? just all having fun together. I, it feels, like, almost like they're just, like, crossing over all the different people that are only connected, like, Dalton's only connected through Nick, Nick's only there because Carly's there, but Dalton and Nick don't like Wade, and I guess Wade is friends with Blake. Kind of. Kind of, and... It's more that Carly... And Carly's and friends Paris with Hilton. Paige. Yeah. And so it's it's almost like they're trying to, to tell you that, no, these this is like a cohesive group. They all get along together. But this happiness doesn't last for long because a big truck pulls up. Yes. This truck is going to be very important. <laughs> yep. And it just is shining its bright lights at them. Yeah, and they're starting to get... Getting mad. Some people are, like, popping off. But Wade's trying to, like, do the calm thing. Like, hey, man, what's what's going on? Can we help you with something? Like, what are you doing? And then people get more and more aggressive until Nick just comes out of nowhere and hurls a beer bottle right at one of his headlights, smashing it. And they're like, whoa, dude, you escalated this way too far. <laughs> and they're afraid, like, what's he going to do? 
what's he going to do? And then he just pulls away and leaves without saying a word. But again, I love that they bring up the fact that this dude had an injury but still has a great arm. I, th- I don't think it was an arm injury. <laughs> and to the point where he can throw a beer bottle like directly With dead at, yeah. a, uh-huh. at a headlight. <laughs> yep. And you think it would be like, oh, he needs to throw a football sized object, mm. you know, through mm. a hole like or something like that in order to save it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. 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 I feel like the whole football thing only exists as some sort of like personal tragedy, right? To explain why he has such a bad attitude, but also explain how he can hit this headlight dead on and then we will never need it again. <laughs> yes. I do love the moment after he throws it, though. It feels very real. Oh, yeah. He I goes, like, oh, shit. what? Uh-huh. Like, that is a thing I have seen men do. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, absolutely. And then Dalton, when the when the truck starts to pull away, Dalton's like, yeah! And that also <laughs> felt very real. Like, when your friend does something uh-huh. cool and it works. Well, and when the, guy, the other guy backs down and you get all, you're preening. And- <laughs> so that felt very real. That night, we will get a scene where they are being filmed with their own camera, which we've seen in a billion scary movies. It immediately made me think of Houses October Built, because that's yeah. a big part mm-hmm. of that film. And Dalton will realize in the morning, we'll just get this out of the way now, that he can't find his camera and nobody knows where it is. Yes, and I wrote down, they are relying heavily on music here, because they put in some... They, I guess they didn't think it would be scary enough mm-hmm. to have somebody filming them while they were asleep, so they played some really heavy music here. Yeah. And I was like, now you're just making me feel like... It's a movie, you know, whereas in Houses That October Bill, it's like, no, it's just showing you somebody came in and filmed you while you were sleeping. And that should be creepy enough. It's it's an instant violation. Yes. I think maybe the problem is that they won't know they were filmed. Yeah. In fact, I don't think they ever find out that no, they, they were filmed. No, they never do. <laughs> so I guess that's why they were relying on the music. Well, I think it's never going to come up again. They will find out. They find, well, they know that the camera was yeah, taken. Yeah, and eventually characters in this movie will find and keep the camera, but they, they it's not in the movie that they realize they were being filmed. Okay. So, of course, Elisha Cuthbert wakes up, and she tries to wake up Jared Padalecki, and she's like, I thought I heard something, and he says, it's probably a serial killer or something, and rolls over, and I was like, Chris? Oh, yeah, you would kill me. I would kill him. I would be like, uh, fucking exactly. Now get your ass up. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, sweetheart. So she gets up to go investigating. And girls, do you feel me that we do not just get up and it's like, I'm only wearing a T-shirt because I'm going to go investigate a scary noise yeah. wearing this T-shirt. I have no problem with you sleeping that way, but put on some goddamn pants if you're going to go outside. <laughs> if you're going to go after an attacker, do you want to be wearing no, see, li- no clothing? Movie. It's a horror movie. We need sexy ladies. Yes, we do. Otherwise, because... otherwise, is it really a horror movie? Exactly. If a horror movie doesn't have sexy ladies, does it make a sound? (laughs) (laughs) And then we get a jump scare and it's just Padalecki and he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) So they go back to bed. And then the next day, do you remember what Cousin Skeeter, (laughs) what's his name? Blake. Do you remember what Blake says when he jumps out of his tent? We slept in. 
Do you it's know what two o'clock or whatever? Two yeah. thirty. Yeah. <laughs> How does every single one of them sleep until two thirty? No, it is okay. If any, if any of you have ever been fucking camping, you do not sleep in because it's impossible to yeah. do so. It's really, really hard to sleep in when you're camping. You're not comfortable. Uh huh. It's bright. There's all the noises of the woods around yes. you, not to mention that disgusting smell that they keep getting waves of. Right. It is absurd that they would have slept until 2.30. And every single one of them. So now they're late to this football game, so they need to hurry up and which, get everything packed. Which is important. It will become part of yeah. the plot. So they also find out, so they're all getting ready to go, what has happened. So, okay, let me explain the way this was revealed to me. <laughs> At first, it looks like Jared Padalecki's challenger is smoking from the hood. And then they get it from a different angle. And no, it's just the fire. They just let burn, I guess, in the middle of the night. And it's still smoking in the morning. Because it wasn't burning when Carly went out the night before, like earlier that night. So why is this still smoking? But whatever. It actually was. Jared Padalecki's challenger actually was broken. Uh, but it had nothing to do with the smoke. It's just a weird thing. His uh, fan belt is broken. Yes. It's cut clean through. Exactly. He's like, and this is brand new. Yeah. And they do think about it, but not as much as you would think they would. Especially since I'm going to, I'm just going to skip ahead for a tiny little thing here. Eventually, Padalecki will walk into a, an auto shop. Yeah. And he'll notice they don't, they just happen to not have the right sized uh-huh. fan belt that he is looking for. And I'm like, I, 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 it's like, I would be like, that's weird. Yeah. I don't like that coincidence and I would want to get the hell out of there. Right. But I guess I'm just, I'm not as a, I was trusting as people <laughs> are, I guess. But so I forget why, but um, Alicia Cuthbert runs here. So what happens is that they are Paige and Carly are going to go like pee or something like that in the woods. And then they smell that smell again. And Carly's like, no, it's stronger here. I can tell this is coming from this direction. And so I'm going to find out. And Paige is like, why would we go towards the smell? Exactly. (laughs) This I need to know for my own peace of mind what the fuck it is. And so she's running through the woods and then falls down this embankment and lands arms and face first into animal corpses that are just turned into a slush, basically. And, oh, my God. And she can't push herself out because she's on this really steep embankment. Mm-hmm. And she's so she's just like her hands are being pushed in further and further and it's getting all over her. And it is so fucking gross. It is disgusting. And she's screaming. And so everyone comes and... They help Wade her get helps out. her helps her get out, and Alicia Cuthbert sees while she's down there, and and part of the reason why she's screaming so loud, not the least of which is because she's in animal corpses, is there's a hand sticking out of these animal corpses. She's fucking terrified, and no sooner do they get her out than a pickup truck comes by, and they're like, oh, oh but it's not missing a headlight, no. so it's not the one from the night before. But this guy, this hillbilly type gets out and pulls out a deer and tosses it in the pile. He's a roadkill collector and he clears the roads. Like that's all he does. 
I guess yeah. you make some coin off of that. And if they're fresh enough, you can cook them. Yes, which I've heard from so many people is a real thing. It is, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's dead. Like. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you want to get it fresh. If you don't get it fresh, then yes. there's no point in using meat. But, yeah, like, apparently in Alaska, that is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. When moose get hit, you pull over and you start cooking it immediately people will drive around with a barbecue in the back yeah so that they can sell it off the side of the road yeah he kind of ignores them and they're like excuse me you want to explain that fucking hand and, and he doesn't say a word doesn't say anything he's like, he's like that that hand over there but he doesn't say it out loud and he walks up to it and he's gonna reach out for it and they're like oh my god don't and he, he does just- not just walk up <laughs> to it he, he walks, walks over the dead corpses. Through yeah. the dead uh-huh. bodies of the animals. Yep. And he reaches down, he grabs the hand and pops it off. And they're like, oh my God. It's not real, <laughs> yeah, see? it's not real. They're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, thank God. They're talking about, dude, let's just get out of here. We got to go. And Wade's like, I'm not leaving my car. I'm not going to this football game and just leaving my car here and coming back for it later. Absolutely not. They just happen to be having this conversation right in front of the hillbilly. Yeah. Why they wouldn't have just said, okay, thanks, bye, and walked Uh away and had this conversation with just them, I don't know. But they have this conversation right in front of him. Because the movie wouldn't happen otherwise. Exactly. (laughs) And Wade tells Blake, you guys go and on your way back, grab me a fan belt. Yeah. And then you'll just, we'll, we'll all go home together. Yeah, and then Carly is like, well, if you're not going, then I'm not going. And that kind of upsets Nick a little bit, but they're going to go anyway. And this is when the roadkill guy uh-huh. <laughs> says, well, hell, I can give you a ride. There's a town right down the road. Well, we, Bo probably has a fan belt for you. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay. And they're just going to go to the town down the road and pick up a fan belt themselves. And then maybe they can get it in enough time to catch up with them. At the so game. Alicia Cuthbert decides to go with them. Uh-huh. Alicia Cuthbert, of course, is covered up in all this crap. Oh, here we are. Here it is. So she has This to is moment number four. Change. Chad Michael Murray has to strip for her. Yes. He takes off his beater. Like of all the things. Any one of these guys could have given her a shirt or something like that. They probably had an A shirt underneath or something like that. It was 2005. (laughs) So they probably did. They had clothes with them, obviously, because they were planning on spending the night. Like, they could have given her anything. But no, he needs to give her his A shirt so he can strip down naked in front of her. I want to fuck my sister moment number four. (laughs) But all the boys get around her so that the roadkill guy who is very obviously staring. Like, okay, Wade... Dalton and her brother, Uh who all care about her, get in front of her so that this dude can't see her change. He very obviously is watching. Would you let me get in that car if a guy was staring at me that way when I was changing? Probably, because I'd be there with you. Right. What's he going to do? Well, well, what he does. But (laughs) my point is. But he doesn't do shit. Has nothing to do with him staring at you. I know. But what I'm saying is, is I would imagine, especially Chad Michael Murray, who's obviously very protective of his sister, I imagine he would be like, I'm fucking going with this dude and you're staying here. You know, I just I think that would be what would happen. Mm -hmm. But whatever. Yeah, I could see that. But I mean, if I was Wade. But so they get in the car and they leave Dalton and Nick behind. Oh, Dalton says, I can't believe you let your sister go with that guy. Uh Uh-huh. 
And Nick is like, dude, you clean up shit for a job. What's the difference? And Dalton's like, uh, the difference is I don't walk through the shit. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, we just saw that guy walk Uh through the dead bodies. And I was like, exactly. But Nick is like, Nick is like, you can't judge him because he's in some backwater country Uh and he's, he's doing a job that's, you know, unsavory. Because again, you clean septic tanks, that's an unsavory job. Like, that doesn't say anything about who you are as a person. Yeah. So they're driving with the guy, and he's a little weird, obviously. Oh, oh, can I just say, this is when my theories start. Theory number one, roadkill guy is one of the brothers that we saw in the beginning. We'll talk later about whether or not I was right about this as the story develops. Theory number two, that there's going to be some sort of swerve that the guy that you think would be the crazy one is actually not the crazy one. And that, you know, the the one you would expect to be crazy was the well-behaved one. Like, that was, that. those are my two theories I have at this point. Just, I'm setting that up right now. I said these out loud to Kelsey. She's like, do you want me to tell you if you're right or not? And I'm like, no, I just want you to know that I, I, I want witnesses. That these are my theories. <laughs> so they're driving along with him. He's kind of weird. And then they get to a spot in the road where it's been washed out. And the dude wants to take them there. And Padalecki and Alicia Cuthbert are at the point where they just don't trust him anymore. And they're like, we'll walk the rest of the way. And well, he's, he's there was like this whole thing where he had a knife. And she was looking at it because she was uncomfortable. And he's like, oh, you like knives? And he pulls out the knife. He's just, he doesn't know how to be around people. And he doesn't understand that she's creeped out by him. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he it dawns on him that they think this about him. Yeah. And he's like, fucking fine. Walk the rest yeah, of the way. Yeah, you don't feel comfortable with me? What are, you, what are you trying to say? You don't trust me? Why? Because I'm dirtier than you? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not as refined as you folks? But this is a moment where... Wade is going to basically eat crow because he's like, no, they're trying to be like, no, we're, uh, we're fine. No, it's just that we're, we want to, wa- we want to walk, you know, like one of those sorts of things. And as they walk away, they get like 10 yards and then they see the town and they're like, fuck, we're assholes. <laughs> well, at this point, only Padalecki feels like an asshole. Right. Cuthbert's like, he was weird. <laughs> right. But they were, they were trying to be like, you know, we don't know where he's taking us. We don't know if he's actually taking us to the town. Let's just get out while the getting's good. And then sure enough, they come across this town. And they're like, man, he was taking us to the town. Yes, but we'll find out later. That's not a good thing. Meanwhile, the others who have left are stuck in horrendous traffic. And so they're just like, fuck it, we're going to miss the game anyway, let's just turn around and go back and pick up our friends. Meanwhile, the others have gotten caught in horrendous traffic, and so they decide to turn around. Cut back to Padalecki and Cuthbert walking through this town. It's a very dead town. There doesn't seem to be anybody around. However, they have seen a few things, like they walk by a pet store, they see some puppies in the window, uh-huh. they do walk by and they see a woman peek out through the through the window uh-huh. at them, and they're like, not a very friendly town. And they also walk by a movie theater that is playing Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yep. And if you've never seen that, you definitely should. It's a great movie. But the town just seems dead. They walk into the auto shop, nobody's there. They finally hear some sounds coming from... A church. Uh-huh. And they're like, like, oh, well, everyone's at church. Yeah. That's what's so going on. 
They just walk into the church, but oh no, they've interrupted a funeral. Yeah. And so they feel like dicks, so they walk oh, out. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and again, Padalecki's like, God, I'm, I just keep being a royal dickhead. Yes. <laughs> and a man walks out, and he's like, can I help you? And they're like, I'm so sorry. We've just been looking for Bo. We were told that Bo might have a fan belt for our car. And he's like, you interrupted a funeral for a fan belt? And they just feel like they're such assholes. But he tells them, hey, you know what? I'll meet you at the station in half an hour, okay? Yeah. He, he comes back out and is like, listen, I didn't mean to jump on you. It's just we lost someone really close to us. Sorry about that. So they have half an hour to kill. So Wade's like, let's go into the House of Wax. <sighs> they get there. It says it's closed, but the door is open. I want to point out, though, before they go in... We get kind of an aerial shot, but it makes the House of Wax sign uh -huh. look like the credits from the original House oh, yeah. of Wax. Uh -huh. No, it's this really cool sort of like art deco look. Yes. Which is really awesome. Yeah, and it, it I was like, that was a cute little thing. And they, they realize did. when they get there, too, that the, that the whole building is like just made of wax. Yes. Or at least it, ha it has a wax coating for all they know. Yes. It's literally a house of wax. And they walk inside, and Padalecki is like, I thought houses of wax were supposed to have famous people, because none of these people are famous. Right. These are all just random people. Mm -hmm. Carly sees this sculpture, and it says Vincent on the bottom, and then she sees a painting that says Vincent. Like, oh, this Vincent guy's pretty prolific. Let's mention what Padalecki does here. To make himself into an even bigger dickhead that they won't even talk about. No, no, no. They don't even make it seem like he's an asshole. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be foreshadowing with I, the fire I on guess. the wax. I think that's just supposed to be foreshadowing. But it makes him come off like a total douchebag after two moments where he acknowledges he was a douchebag. Like a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> he walks through. You want to tell he, him what he, he does? He holds a lighter up to one of these wax sculptures. Like, oh, no, I'm melting. Oh, no, there's a fire. Help me, Carly. I'm melting. My skin's going to catch on fire. My legs are all burning. Cut it out, Carly, please. You're my hero. That's not cool. Holy shit! This place is closed. You're not even supposed to be here. Yeah. He obviously has a snooping problem. He has an invasion of privacy problem. <laughs> it's gonna come up again. Like he he. It's weird. They take this really fucking likable guy who's upset by the way that his girlfriend's going to be moving away and he might not be going with her. And like that's their story, which isn't gonna become anything. Nope. <laughs> And and then he's doing something that will obviously very much upset her. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing, Wade? It is it is bizarre behavior. It does not make sense with the, especially okay. So we're making fun of the fact that they really want to make these guys, these people, three dimensional characters, uh -huh. and then they just are like, "But we want to do something fun here." So yeah. fuck the three dimensional character that we've already created. Like what? Uh huh. Then he comes upon a dog that he thinks is not real, but it's a real dog. That's yes. another little stupid jump scare yeah, that they have. that was a fun one. And Carly laughs at him for it. But yeah, that's when Carly will start to notice some creations in there that have all have the name Vincent on them. And she also then will see the two high chairs that we saw at the beginning of the film. Uh -huh. And I specifically looked. I was like, can we see which one has the restraints? Because I bet you it's Bo fulfilling <laughs> my second prophecy <laughs> that the guy who's clean and kind and like seems normal is actually the crazy kid from the beginning. Yes. 
I was like, I was, I was committed. I'm like, okay, so it's not this guy. It's the other, it's this, it's this new guy. I had given up on the roadkill guy being one of the brothers. Cause he's gone now. Cause he's gone now. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, oh no, Bo is the one I'm thinking of. Who's actually the one that's, that was the crazy one from the beginning. And you think he's the normal one, but he's not. Mm-hmm. So that's where my theories are right now. I was like, oh, I'm wrong with that one. I can still be right with the second one. So she looks at, she sees a reflection of a creepy face, but when she, looking at her through the window, but when she turns, it's gone. Yeah. And she freaks out and sends Wade after it. And he goes outside out to that same spot. It's like, there's nothing here. Yeah. Padalecki will uh, give us another stupid jump scare while he'll bang on the windows just to tell her that there's nothing there. It's like, uh did you need to bang on the windows? to get her attention couldn't you have tapped but they're they're like ah, you know what nothing's here i mean we've seen what there is to see let's head out to try to meet the guy at the at the station it's been half an hour now meanwhile the other four have come back to the campsite and paris hilton's boyfriend sends nick and dalton off to find wade and carly because he wants to have sex yes yeah, you guys go. I'm going to stay here and have sex. And so he lets Dalton drive because he doesn't trust Nick to drive. And they're going to go find this town because they're, they've been yeah, communicating with their cell phones. Anyway. Yes, Nick's like, you give me those fucking keys. <laughs> oh, he Blake said I should drive. He's like, give me the keys. And this is where we find out. <laughs> yes, that Nick took the rap for Dalton who stole the car. Exactly. Actually, and that, they, you know, they really like Wade. They should stop giving him a hard time. And and that's why Paris Hilton's boyfriend gave the keys to Dalton because everybody thinks that Nick stole the car, but yeah, really it was uh-huh. Dalton. Yeah. Meanwhile... Carly and Wade, again, yeah, they're at the auto body shop. And they just go in, even though the place is closed, Wade <laughs> finds a way going in. in. Yes, just Wade and his breaking and entering. This is the second, well, third time if you count the church, which, you know, really. <laughs> oh, that was my third theory. Third theory is because the town is so empty, everyone in the town is already dead and they've been replaced by wax figures. So that's four theories now. Everyone's already dead. The people that they see are all wax figures. Those are my next two theories. But yeah, he goes into the shop and he's looking at the fan belts and he's like, they don't have a 15. I mean, I guess we could try a 16. This Bo is when Bo shows, shows up. And he's like, oh, don't worry, man. I got you covered. It's just, it's up at my house. Yeah. I, it's like, why would it be at your house? Well, that's where I get the shipments and I just haven't refilled the 15s yet. Just. Come on, man. Too uh-huh. big of a coincidence. But Bo calls him on the fact that, like, were you going to pay for that? Because he, he grabbed the 16. Well, didn't he leave money on the he counter? He did, yes. And he's like, should that cover it? And Bo's like, eh, it's enough. You know, as if maybe it doesn't. But he's he's just that nice. Here, I'll give you a ride to my place. We'll get you the fan belt, and then you could get out of here. But I do like that... He comes in and he's just like, everywhere seems to be unlocked for you, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh This isn't the end of these things happening with Wade. (laughs) So as they're walking up to the house, they have to walk by the house of wax and they mention it. And that's when he says, oh, yeah, everything seems to be fucking locked for you, dude. Yeah. So that house of wax is pretty cool. You went inside? Yeah. Yeah, it was unlocked. So, you know, everything seems to be unlocked around you now, don't it? And he goes, yeah, well, Trudy, she really put us on the map until she got a cyst on the brain. And then she went kind of crazy. And then, yeah. So and he then just her basically husband, tells the whole story. Her husband killed himself. Uh huh. They're going to go into the house. 
For whatever reason, Carly says she'll wait in the truck. I don't know how. Oh, right. We were both sitting there. How are you going to get into a truck and not consider it? How are you going to do that? They already considered it with the roadkill guy. Padalecki walks right by the front of the car. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it's to the point where it's kind of, it's unbelievable. Yes. Like, what? How how are you not going to check? How, and not how is as not you're going into the house, look back at Carly in the truck just to make sure she's cool yeah. and notice it that way. But what we're getting at here is that Carly will discover while they're in the house that this is the truck that came up on their campsite the night before and got its headlights smashed. It's Bo's truck. Yeah. So Wade and Bo go inside and Bo's like, here, let me just get this tie off. I was just at this funeral. You know, let me get get into my normal clothes or whatever and so I can open up the shop and you go to the bathroom because Wade said he had to go to the bathroom. And Wade takes this fucking opportunity to again... (laughs) I wrote down, dude, get it under control. (laughs) He is snooping again. (laughs) Fucking stop it. Uh, Well, okay. I mean, he notices that the house is a mess. Uh Like, this place is really gross. But that is no excuse yet to go into a room that does not belong to you. Uh Uh-huh. And... start, like, messing with shit and... Yeah, He starts to find dead things. But instead of being like, oh, shit, maybe I should get the fuck out of here. Uh-huh. He's like, And he, like, plays with it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He fucks with shit. unbelievable. Uh Uh-huh. Like, you wouldn't be, oh, that's weird, I'm out of here. And this guy's gonna come back. How much time are you gonna spend? Oh, it gets worse. He will continue to look around and will realize that this guy, Bo, now he didn't see the high chairs, so he wouldn't be thinking about that. But he realizes somehow that Bo is, in fact, a Sinclair. I think he starts to see things that, like, uh, her her thing that said she was a wax maker or whatever. uh And then he starts to find wax faces. Now, at this point, guys, he should know that guy lied to me. Uh Uh-huh. That was his mom that he was talking about. He didn't say anything about that. Something, he he lied to me. Get the fuck out. But he doesn't. He will then find a a torture (laughs) chamber. And that doesn't make him leave. He starts to look at the torture things. Like, what is this? I don't know. And it's really infuriating. The door behind him will then close and lock. Mm -hmm. But it's not Bo. It's that face that Carly saw earlier in the House of Wax. Yes. It's a big dude, long, stringy hair, and a wax mask on, comes up behind him and has these shears and snips his Achilles tendon. Padalecki does not have anything good happen to him for the rest of the film. No, 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 no. just bad fucking things. (laughs) So he gets fucked up by this giant in the mask, and I say giant, but- He's really not. It's just Brian Van Holt again, the guy who plays Bo, playing Vincent. It's the same actor? Same actor, yeah. He's oh. just wearing a mask. He, he just kind of has this hulking presence. During this time, 
is when Alicia Cuthbert will notice. She gets uh-huh. out of the car for some reason and sees the broken I think headlight. she thinks about it. Or she turns on the lights. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Because it's getting dark. She turns on the lights and she realizes she gets out. And she looks and she's like, holy shit. She gets back in the truck and like bangs on the horn to like, Wade, get the fuck no, out she, here. Yeah, she's honking the yeah. horn. And out comes Bo. And poor Wade, is, you have to watch him like trying to get out of uh, there. And then he just gets kicked in the face. Yeah, uh-huh, like, by Vincent. Like, I'm telling you guys. Okay, well, okay, first of all, shouldn't have gotten kicked in the face. Right. Why would they do that? Right. The whole point is to preserve the realism of the wax sculptures. Yes. Yes. So now that I think about it, but it's it's a really, it's a scary scene because he's crawling and then yeah. you just see these foot feet and he just knows what's coming and it's just right to the face. Like I said, guys, nothing good is going to happen to him anymore. So Bo comes <laughs> out, he's in his like coveralls. And he's got his his tool belt or his toolbox or something like that. And the fan belt, the 15. And Carly's like, where is Wade? And Bo's like, he's not out here. Because Bo hasn't fucking done anything to Wade at this point. Like, he hasn't come out here? Like, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, what the fuck is going on here? And she is terrified of Bo. So she gets back into the truck and locks the door. And this is when he starts getting angry. Well, he's like... Hey, this is my truck. What yeah, are you doing? What the fuck? And but he, he escalates. Starts, yeah. <laughs> he smashes the window. She starts the truck because the keys are still in it and tries to get away from him. He's hanging on. She's doing donuts, trying to get him to knock off until finally the back wheel, one of the back tires goes off like a ledge and it, it can't go anywhere. So the, the, the truck is stuck and she climbs out of the truck He's on the other side or something, or he's been knocked down because she knocked him off of the truck when she was doing the donuts and stuff. And so he's down on the ground. She climbs out of the truck and runs away and gets away from him. Meanwhile, what's happening to Wade? We get a terrible scene. I do not enjoy torture porn. This was this is a little torture porny for me. It is like I mean, oh, I remember sitting in the theater and just freaking the fuck out. So. He gets strapped down. He gets injected with a paralytic or something like that. So he's still alive. He's still awake. And he is trying to scream, but he can't move his mouth. And he gets his hair removed. How does he get his hair removed, Kelsey? Does he get shaved? No. He gets waxed. Yeah, he gets waxed. Get it? (laughs) Oh, God. He gets his eyebrows removed. We also didn't mention that he got, like, he also stabbed him. Like in like the chest or yeah, something, so, so he, he has to stitch up. that up as yeah, well while he's completely alive and awake and very much like in um, what lies beneath, like the idea that you could be awake while they do oh, yeah, yeah, surgery yeah. Uh-huh. on you, but this isn't taking away any of that pain. <laughs> right, yeah, he ends up in a chair and he has all these like rods and things like that around him, holding him perfectly in place, and then he gets. Coated with a shower of boiling hot wax. Now, you couldn't survive that. I do, I think you would die from that. I think yes. you would die from that. Yeah. Also, how on earth would his eyes still work? Right. Because he'd either have to have his eyes open, in which case they'd get coated with wax, mm-hmm. or closed, in which case they'd get waxed closed. Yes. So, but he's, he's, he's we're going to see him again as a wax sculpture and his eyes are going to work and it's not going to make any sense. Yes. But that's fine. Whatever. But I can tell you right now, this scene and the scene, the next scene with Wade. Oh, God. He just does not have it good for the rest of the fucking movie. These two scenes have stuck with me. 
uh-huh. since I've seen this film. Like, I never forgot. It's funny, because I didn't realize it was Padalecki, because at the time, Jared Padalecki meant nothing to me. Uh-huh. So I knew what happened to him, had no idea it was Dean's brother. <laughs> yeah, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so... It was weird to be like, oh, my God, it's been him this whole time. But in my memory, guys, this scene scared the shit out of me. They also do a really good job of making him not seem nine feet tall. (laughs) He is a giant. (laughs) I think about this, guys. If you have seen Supernatural, how much taller he looks than Jensen Eccles. And Jensen Eccles is pretty tall. He's like six foot two or something like that. And Jared Padalecki seems so much taller than him. Occasionally, they'll bring it up. About I how he looks it. so short. And he's, like, he's not short. Well, no, he'll talk about, he's like, you, the giant brother. Yeah. Like, he'll, he'll talk about it. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, no, this scene of him being covered in wax. Uh-huh. And he's like screaming, but he can't open his mouth. And the scene of him being in wax. Yes. I never forgot those scenes. Yeah. They scared the shit out of me. I did not like it. <laughs> So, Dalton and Nick are driving to the town. They're having their conversation. Meanwhile, Carly is trying to hide. Where's the one place you would go in the city that you've seen people? The church. The church. And so she goes to the church. This is where she realizes everyone in the church is made of wax. And the way that she realizes that they're actually humans is awful. She grabs the arm of one of them thinking it's a wax sculpture and it snaps off. (laughs) And there's bone and and meat and blood. Yeah. uh Ah! (laughs) Scare the hell out of me. Oh Oh, my God. My everyone in the town is actually dead. And all the people that she's seen are actually wax figures. Those two theories are, are coming true. And in the church, she gets grabbed by Bo. And that's a creepy scene. Oh, it's great because the camera is really tight on her a lot of the time. He comes in thinking that's where she would have gone. Or she see, he sees like the door cracked open or something like that. And she's going to hide from him. And we don't know where she is. You think she's like behind a pew or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for her. He's like, hi, I'll see you. Like, it's a it's very well filmed tense scene until he's looking for her and then she bursts out from under the priest's robes that was the coolest fucking thing and it's a cool scene and then he grabs her anyway yes i was like oh my god she was under the robes like that was i i thought that that was really cool it was cool i liked that a lot yes he will then strap her down just like the kid was strapped down at the beginning of the film except this time so you know how car repair shops They do, you got to get under the car. And so professional places will do that one of two ways. There's either a lift that lifts the car up or there's a basement kind of area that you can walk under cars and get to them there. So she's in that area that's underneath this gas station slash car repair shop. He's strapping her down, going to do, we don't know what yet. We all assume we know. Yes. This is when Nick and Dalton show up in the town. And they're like... Right on time. Yeah, what the fuck is going on here? And they don't know where anybody is. They don't know where she is. Well, Dalton's kind of worried. He's like, shouldn't we be worried about your sister? Like, this is a weird thing going on. And, of course, 
Nick tries to be too cool for school. He's just like, well, you go and find her. I'll go into this 24-hour store and get some food because I'm hungry. Yeah. Which is when he finally realizes shit's gone south because a 24-hour store is ain't open. Yeah, uh-huh. And the the camera will pull back to show us that all the food in there is being eaten by bugs. Yeah, the, the, the can that burst open or a jar or something like that burst open. Like, everything looks serene but dusty mm-hmm. you know um but you can see that yes when they're when one of these containers has burst open with food there's like cockroaches and rats or whatever like that eating at it um, but so Bo will realize that he's running out of time so what's his solution because he starts to hear them walking around the town he comes out but what does he do to alicia he super glues her mouth closed and Okay, I've never had this done to me, but we've all had things glued on us before. Uh-huh. Like, come on, you all have. <laughs> super glue is really dangerous. Is it? For human skin, yes. Okay. I don't know if they used actual super glue, but they did. There's no way they did. They they did actually glue her mouth shut. They did? Yes. Why? She wanted it. Why? <laughs> I, if, they, if it wasn't going to be as strong as super glue, you know, she knew it wasn't actually going to fuck up her mouth. Okay, well, what I was going to say is, yes, I imagine that with super glue it would be painful, but there is something that's going to happen to her that is just to the point oh, where it's just it like- would, It would I, rip her mouth open. I yes. don't believe this. Yes. And that was my biggest problem with this movie because I actually, I enjoy it. And like, I actually think that a lot of the stuff they did is really fucking creepy. It's just irritating because it's like, I want to like yeah. this movie so much. Like your suspension of disbelief kind of just snaps. They keep yeah. doing things that it's, it, I can't wrap my mind around that. So here's what happens. She's left down there strapped to the chair and her mouth super glued shut. He, Bo comes out of the shop and confronts Nick. Nick's like, hey, do you know where my sister is? She would have come by here. They would have come to pick up a fan belt. He's like, nope, no, I haven't seen anybody. But Nick is starting to, like, question it because Bo says saying something about how, you know, he wasn't there the whole day. Oh, my assistant was here and he would have said something if we had customers, you know. And, and there's – it's – it's Nick isn't trusting this guy. Because Nick is way smarter than yeah. he pretends to be. So he's picking up on these things and – Meanwhile, Alicia is, like, she's getting unstrapped from – She's gotten one arm up. Uh-huh. She and uses so- that to – she puts her finger up through the grate, trying to get her brother's attention. Attention, yes. But Bo sees it first. Yes. And he goes down to tie his shoes and cover the fact that her finger's there. And she can't see up there. She's, like, reaching. Her head's turned away. And while he's down there, he takes some, like... Pliers. Yeah, pliers. Or, no, they're cutters. Snaps <laughs> off. Snaps the, the tip of her finger off. Yes. And, yes, I don't care that her mouth is super glued shut. It would have been ripped open at that point. There, there, yeah, I no, I can't wrap my mind around that. That the human, I mean, just when I'm just flustered, just like when something just goes pa, like I scream. So like it's just absurd to me that it, that kind of pain would not burst open your mouth. Yes, absurd. So how does he? decide that she's actually down there and he needs to rescue her. How does that happen? Well, eventually she does rip open her lips. Yes. But it is not during like that, that moment, yeah. which just is insane. Like if you're going to be if you're going to make it so that she can rip open her mouth, mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be in that moment? Like right. 
dumb. But well, she- they needed the moment where Bo looks like he's clever and he hurts her and there's nothing she can do about it and she's not going to alert her brother. And you need that sort of like helplessness feeling here. But, but just at the it. last yeah. second, she's able to scream, Nick, help me. Uh-huh. And Nick's like, oh, shit. And Bo's like, oh, shit. Well, Bo already had the knife out. Yeah. And was going to take Nick from behind. Uh-huh. But Nick is apparently a good fighter, which yeah. we didn't get anything for. Like, all this extra bullshit you gave us about his background, nothing hey, about him being a good fighter. Kelsey, he went to prison and he got tough. True. <laughs> and, but so, yeah, he totally dodges the knife. And ends up being an awesome fighter and is able to get in, locks out Bo, saves his sister. Okay, I wrote down, I want to fuck my sister moment number five? (laughs) We can't count when he rescues her, right? It's this sort of like desperate, I need to save you sort of moment. But it's like, yeah, he would act that way since she's his sister. (laughs) I'm not going to count it. (laughs) But I figured it was worth mentioning at least. But when he gets to her and he gets her un, un unstrapped, all that shit, after all the shit that's happened to her, do you know what she has to say? You know what her line is? What? This place is a freak show. <laughs> Dude, snapped off your finger, mm-hmm. strapped you down, glued your lips together. Your boyfriend is probably dead. This dude showed up and, like, threatened you and your friends like there are wax people all over there are no people in this town and all you have to say is this place is a freak show yeah so dalton has wandered into the house of wax yes and he's like hey wade what you doing because wade's sitting there at the piano oh my god Oh, my God. And I remember realizes, being in the theater, and I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> he realizes that it's not it's not Wade. That's what he realizes at first. It's just a wax sculpture that looks like Wade. It's like, what the fuck? And then the eyes open, and he's like, oh, Wade. Wade, oh, my God. And he, like, turns into this bumbling idiot because he is so terrified <laughs> of what's happening. get you happened. out of there. Yeah. And he starts to peel off the wax off his face and... While he's alive! The skin comes with it, and we see the bone and sinew underneath it. And he's crying, and it's just like, oh my god! And Dalton's response is not, oh fuck, I'd better stop. He continues. But it doesn't matter, because he will get pushed down the stairs and then decapitated. Yes, stairs that go into this, like, cavern thing. All the walls are coated with wax, there's candles and skulls. (laughs) He runs away from Vincent, right? Yes. And then Vincent pushes him down the stairs. Yeah, and then cuts his head off with these two blades and then drags his body away. And we see his eyes blink. Oh, my God. But the scene where he's talking to Wade, it's so short, but it's just... Uh-huh. I never forgot it. Yeah. It was effective. And that's... I feel like the makers of this film saw the original House of Wax and were like, I want to do that... I want to scare the shit out of this generation mm-hmm. and I want to use this concept. And I I think they did a relatively good job of making it for that mm. generation. It's in this fight, too, where Vincent swings one of his blades and ends up cutting off more skin off Jared Padalecki's face, yep. revealing his mouth and jaw on one side. Yep. And he's still alive. <laughs> Terrible. It's awful. So anyway, now Wade and Dalton have been dealt with by Vincent. Bo has been attacked 
by Nick, and Nick has saved Carly, but now Bo is nowhere to be found. So, while Nick and Carly are trying to save themselves from Bo, and they don't know where he is... They remember Dalton's got the keys. Yeah, so they can't drive away. Oh no, where's Dalton? Hmm. Maybe we should call the cops. Damn it! Phone doesn't work. Yes. Oh no, and my cell phone is in the car. Damn it. Like, it's just, yes. I just love this. It's just like... So they got to go back to the they truck. They need the keys. Bo's truck, yeah. Dalton's got the keys. Shit, where's Dalton? Um, well, also, okay, let's use this phone. The phone doesn't work. Oh, fuck, my cell phone is up there. Like, I just uh-huh. love that they just come to all these conclusions. Yes. That's when she's suddenly like, oh, fuck, what if they're turning them into wax? And it's like... Why didn't you think of this sooner? (laughs) Why didn't that hit you earlier? But then they realize that the whole town is rigged. And they're like, no, it's not. We saw that bitch in the window. In the window, yeah. And it turns out that it's been Kevin McAllister rigged. (laughs) And we also see, they don't see, but we also see that that's what's going on with the puppies in the pet store. So those are two of my theories right there. That the whole town has been murdered. And that all the figure, the wax figures that they see there are actually people inside the wax figures. Which, I mean, that last one is, it comes straight from the original, the, in quotes, original. <laughs> so it's not like a big revelation. But so far, I'm two for four. The first theory turned out to be incorrect. The second theory has not been proven one way or the other yet. So that's where I stand with my theories right now. So what's happening with Blake and Paige? Well, Paige is doing a sexy dance for uh-huh. Blake, finally, you know, now that hours have passed. Yes, hours have passed, and now they're finally getting to the sex they were going to have. But right before they have sex, so she just did a whole sexy dance, she comes up to him, they're making out, and then she says, stop, we need to have a conversation, because this is where she's going to tell him that she's pregnant. Yep. Ladies, is this what you would do? It's not what I would do. Like, let's have sex. Stop, I'm pregnant. Like, yeah. no! Like, what? <laughs> so weird. But she but doesn't get to because the the stereo gets turned off. And he's mad. What the he's fuck like, what happened, the fuck to, my happened music? to my tunes? <laughs> and so he goes outside and he turns it was just paused. So somebody actively or he just assumes it was a glitch of the of the hardware. And so he turns the music back on, but he realizes he has calls and a missed voicemail from Carly. This is from earlier when she was in the when they were at Bo's house and she was in the truck alone, she called him at that point and he didn't answer because they were still doing sexy time, but still hadn't had sex. Anyway, he's listening and he's hearing the screaming. He's like, "Oh my god!" And he's about to go talk to Paige about it. And we don't see what happens. We don't see what happens. So Paige is left alone, and she gets annoyed because he hasn't come back yet. Then Vincent comes in. Yep. <laughs> and like slashes through the tent and she she freaks out she runs, runs outside. out she finds Blake still alive no, but he's gurgling dead. no he is still alive because he's gurgling because he has a knife in his throat from yes. Vincent yes. but he's not dead yet and when she runs away screaming Vincent comes out and grabs the knife out of Blake twisting it and killing Blake in this moment this is when Paris Hilton Will run into a building? That didn't exist at any point so no, far. No, 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 no. Has not existed in any way, shape, or form. Chris and I were both like, where, where did she go? Where did it come from? Yes. <laughs> she will run into a building where they have kept all the shit from all the people that they have murdered over the yeah, years. Uh-huh. Just like at the end of From Dusk Till Dawn. Yep. 
and she tries to hide from him. She's hiding. But he, of course, finds her. Yeah. She's in a car. She's hiding in the car, and then she he, like, throws a pipe at her, and it pierces her head, and then she falls down, and then slides down the pipe a little bit. One of those moments you see in other movies. Yes. So Paris Hilton's dead. She has never turned into wax. I feel like I have been sold a bill of goods. (laughs) This movie was sold on the premise of you get to see Paris Hilton die. And on the cover of the the movie, like on the posters and stuff, it's Paris Hilton's head covered in wax. But it never happens. Never happens. Nope. As a matter of fact, the only person we know that gets coated in wax is Wade. Does Dalton ever get covered in wax? I don't remember. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just Wade. So, I forget where they are. Where are they when they find the crossbow? There is, in this town, a gun store. It's locked, of course, but Nick smashes the window and gets a crossbow from one of the mannequins, which I guess was still left there with ammo, I guess. Yeah. Give your prey some. Yeah, uh-huh. some I don't know. Seems weird that that Most would dangerous be game? There. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They end up going into the movie theater that is not, let's be clear here, is not actually playing what happened to baby Jane until they go inside and they open the doors, at which point this whole automated mechanism spins up everything and the movie starts playing and it's queued up to her Singing, I wrote a letter to daddy. Why did they go in there? They were just trying to hide from him, I think. Okay. But yeah, and okay. I'm writing a letter to daddy. But like the old version. So it's like well into the movie, whatever happened to baby Jane. Because in the beginning of the movie, it's her as a little kid singing that song, right? So this is further into whatever happened to baby Jane. And she's putting on this performance for her husband. Did they ever get married? No, he's gay. Right, but he, he's like, she's like his beard. Like, there's this whole thing where they're like. He he just, he 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 has money problems and he wants her to get to famous her. again so yeah. he can make money but off they, of her. There's, but he's not like. But they become friends. Yes, yeah, yeah. Until she like murders So he's him? playing, <laughs> dude's playing the piano. Anyway, that's whatever happened to baby Jane. We will, we will cover it on the show at some point. It is so good. It's and, good. And I love. I know you hate it. I know it doesn't make any fucking sense, but I love that they walk in and this is the scene playing because it's creepy as hell. I wrote down. And it I know. Ramps I agree. Up the creep. Factor. I agree. It is creepy, but that's the point. It's for the audience, and it doesn't make sense in the world of this movie. Wait, I wrote down. So does he have the movie queued up to this specific scene and rigged to the door so it comes on whenever anyone comes in? Or fucking why? Maybe it's ju- maybe. This would be fun. Maybe it's just always on a loop, but it only plays when you go in and then it stops when you go out so that he can come in and out whenever he feels like watching whatever happened to baby Jane. Yes. And it's just always on a loop. Yes, I get that. That totally makes sense. But why would he need it rigged up to a system when anyone comes in? Like, he has free reign of the place. Why wouldn't he just turn on the machines? He likes the realism of walking in and feeling like he walked into the middle okay. of the film. Oh, you know what? That's not bad. That's not a bad excuse, Kelsey. But yeah, there are all these audience members sitting in wax. So when Bo does eventually come in, because he, he knows that they're in the theater. And when he walks in, he's looking for her. And he's like smashing like he's shooting these wax sculptures and they're not her. He thinks it's her, but it's not. But she's sitting there standing still, hoping to be confused for this for a wax person. But it's a great setup. 
Yeah. This was all a setup. Uh Uh-huh. Because he's eventually going to find her, and what happens? She's going to run. She's going to run out, and when he runs out after her, Nick is there waiting for him with the crossbow, and he shoots him. Yes. It's great. It's cool. Uh, So they get him with the crossbow. They don't finish the fucking job. Nope. Nope. It is so infuriating. It is. Like, and it's not like they're doing it because, okay, so... He will tell his sister to check the guy for ammo because he has a gun or whatever. Uh, but Or she has a gun and she doesn't have any ammo or something. He doesn't have any. What they decide to do is just drop their weapons. Leave them there with him. And assume that the guy is dead because when she checked him, he didn't have any ammo and he didn't move. And I'm like, why not just make sure he's dead? Yeah. Because he ain't. Well, they need the movie to happen. Right. So there's this moment where Nick's like, okay, you're running back to the campsite to get Blake and Paige. I am going to go to the truck to get the car because I don't trust any of this and I don't want to put you in danger. It's like, dude, sending her back on her own would probably be worse. But anyway, she refuses to go. Because we need to stick together. Yeah. And they're arguing. And Nick says to her, she, she insists that they stay together. Nick says to her, why do you have to be so, and he has, gets this like begrudging smile on his face and he's like stubborn. And it's like, yeah, is this a flirty moment here? Yeah. This is, I want to fuck my sister moment. Number six, number five. Yeah. All right. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to go up to the truck and get your cell phone and see if I can get some help. Back to the road. Page and Blake. No way. No, I'm not leaving you. Why do you have to be so damn stubborn? Oh my god! I told you! I told you! The scene with Padalecki and the fact that Chad Michael Murray wanted Alicia Cuthbert so bad yes. are the two things that really stuck with me. <laughs> so, they end up going into the house. I don't remember fucking why. But they end up discovering that Bo and Vincent were Siamese twins that were separated at birth, mm-hmm. which is why Vincent has a fucked up face and Bo does not. Yes, we also find out that it was, in fact, Bo that had the behavioral problems that had to be strapped down because she notices it on him at one point. that When his, he straps her down, yeah. she noticed that he has the strap marks. So I am now three for four of my theories. That the even-tempered, charismatic one is actually the one that had the behavioral problems when they were kids. And the even-tempered, silent one is the mute that is mentally disturbed. Well, they're both mentally disturbed, but you know what I mean. So, like, oh, it's a swerve. Oh, we've swerved on you. You didn't expect that, did you? So, three out of four now. The only thing I've gotten wrong at this point is that the roadkill guy is not one of the Sinclair brothers. I want to mention that they have a baseball bat at this point. Yeah. And that they have the upper hand I wrote at this down, point. why are you hiding? He's dying. Just kick his ass, beat him with the bat. Yeah. So what, what, they, what happens here? They don't. They stay hidden. And it is infuriating. Because yeah. it's just like, he's been wounded really badly yeah. and you have a bat. Yeah. Jump out and hit him over the head. Like, yes. like he, there's no way he could have possibly been ready for you to do that. So this is even accepting the fact that they didn't verify that he was dead in the theater. Yes. He's now come back. He's limping. He's hobbled. He's so fucked up. And you have a bat. 
Do not hide. Come out and kick his ass. Just jump out and one whack over the head. <laughs> like, but no. No. Instead, we get a scene between him and his brother. So Vincent will come out. Mm-hmm. And, and let's point out here that Carly's going to hide and overhear this interaction, but Nick is going to go like fucking exploring He's in the house. He's looking for his friends. Why even is though Nick going anywhere while the guy is still there and Carly is there too? Do not know. Where are you going and why? Do not know. He's, I looking, guess so. for He's his looking for his friends. Yeah, but, but why? Yes. Get rid of the problem first. Jesus. But he doesn't. But so she will hear a conversation between Bo and Vincent. Yes. And Vincent will try to help Bo with his wound, but Bo will tell him to get away. Get get away from me, you fucking freak. Yeah. Hey, you don't ever leave here without me. You know better than that. Don't be so stupid. What's the matter with you? Don't. I said don't. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking freak. So Bo's abusive to his brother. Yes. But then, after he's mean to him, he then does the abusive thing where then he's like, oh, but you know, the town looks real good. You're yeah, doing such a good job. It's exactly what mom would have wanted. Mom you know. would be proud. Mm-hmm. She always said your talent would make up for what God took from you. Hey, town's looking real good. I'm almost finished with mom started. Those two are good. They'll fit perfect. What'd I tell you, huh? And you'll work more real now? Mom would be proud. Yeah, she'd be real proud. She always said that your talent would make up for what God took away from you. Jesus. We do see that Dalton got waxed because Nick finds him down there all waxed up. And doesn't he, like, go for his head or something like that? Or is that... Jared Padalecki later, where his head just comes off. Well, I mean, Dalton died by decapitation. Right, I know. So is it that Nick finds him and grabs, touches his head, gets him to turn to him and realizes his head is snapped off? Or is that the last thing that happens to Wade and how he dies when they go back to the House of Wax later? It's a good question. I don't, I don't remember. remember. It happens to somebody. It's either Dalton or Wade. I don't remember. Eventually, the brothers realize that they are in the house somehow. Nick and Carly, because Carly gets away, they find their way into some tunnels under the town that have never fucking existed before. We have never seen them before. What we find out is that stairway, the creepy stairway that led down to the, the dungeon underneath the House of Wax is actually connected to their house via these series of tunnels that travel throughout the whole entire town. Which makes sense for us. I mean... They probably they probably did it after they killed everybody, but to have a like way a to get ton- around the town and where well, all to have the- a way to get the the wax pieces nice and easily, just smoothly from one place to the other, 
would yeah. make sense. To I have guess, that. but it's like we've never had these tunnels. There's never been indica- any indication that right. there are tunnels. The only thing we saw was this basement. We had no idea that it was connected via a tunnel. So they're fucking with the lights and everything like that, and that's how Bo knows oh, that they're still that's alive. Right? Yes, they're playing because they can't find the light switch. So and there's this big Nick, like a moron starts flipping all the switches, which makes the town go on and off. And uh, they're like, oh, we know oh, exactly where they are. Now we know they're here and we know exactly where they are yeah. at home. So they make their way and they find this this dungeon. Yes, this is where they find Dalton because they they make their way to the dungeon underneath the House of Wax. And so this is how all the action is going to start moving to the House of Wax. When Vincent goes after them, Nick ends up lighting something on fire and he he burns all this uh, oil or something like that, separating Vincent from them, preventing Vincent from from getting to them. And they go upstairs to the House of Wax. Well, something happens where Bo gets within punching distance of Carly because he punches her and she goes across the Oh, room. my God. Like, Holy shit. <laughs> you don't want to see it. But it was like, it was impressively done. It but, looked like it hurt. So he grabs her and it looks like he's going to kill her. And she realizes the arrow is still inside of him. And what was I never- saying? I was like, oh, put your finger in the wound. Push that arrow in. Yep. He just snipped it off. Yes. It's still sitting in his chest. Mm-hmm. And so she does that. Yes. Takes him down to the ground. And then she fucking beats his face in. Just like bashes his face in on this bottom floor of the wax museum. Beats him with the bat forever is yes, what I, I wrote. <laughs> I wrote, good for her, bash his fucking face in. Good. Now, Vincent realizes that he can just walk through the fire if he grabs, like, this plank and, like, walks through it. But at this point, the fire is getting bigger and bigger, and it's starting to consume the whole place. Well, they really enjoyed using the melting here. Yes. Oh, God. So this is really... Really fucking cool. Just like the whole place starts melting down. So Nick and Vincent are fighting upstairs. And Nick goes in this wax recreation of their of their room where there's a wax version of the kids still conjoined at the head. And when Vincent slices one of his giant knives through, it it separates the twins. It's a little on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but when this when this place really starts to melt which apparently a lot of this they used was peanut butter. Oh, that makes sense. To look like it was... Brown wax, yeah. Well, Yeah, but it's like, it's the consistency they wanted the wax to be, you know? Like when she runs on the bed and it's sticky, when he runs up the stairs and it's sticky, like, yeah, they used, apparently they used peanut butter. But you see Bo just like dead on the ground, his body just like melts through the floor. And like all of these moments, it's a really cool effect. The fact that the whole house is literally a house of wax is a great idea. But there's some stuff that's a little on the nose, like reenacting the separation surgery and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Stepping on his wax face as Carly goes to kill Vincent because she knocks off his his face, the wax mask that he has. And as she goes to kill him, she symbolically steps on the face. It's like, okay, that's a little on the nose, too. She also has a whole conversation with him where she tries to reason with him. Yes, and ex- it's, it's a very Friday the 13th Part 2 moment. And explain that, like, you know, your mother never would have wanted this. Your brother was using you. And... You're trying to calm the savage beast. Well, here's the thing. I definitely thought that because of the beginning, that was kind of what they were going to do here, was he was going to be like, oh, shit, you're right. Because he is genuinely a good person. 
but yeah. they but don't. No, they don't. He, he's still just evil. She just which, kills him. Which then I'm like, well, then why bother doing the whole like twins thing? Yeah. And, and one being bad and one being good. Why bother to do that? He, well, he, they just don't redeem him is all. So they're dead. Bo and Vincent are dead, but this house is melting around them. There's no floor. The stairs are out and they're on the top floor. So instead, as they're running around all this fire and melting wax, they peel through the a wall to get out. And they realize what they've peeled through is the other side of the sign that says House of Wax. And they're sitting like in the O and of or something like that. And this external shot we see of them is really pretty bad CGI of them composited into the scene of the whole thing melting, but it's cool. They're just sitting in the sign. And as the whole thing melts under its own weight, because the structure is, is melting away, it just, it slowly just kind of lowers down to the ground and they're able to get out that way. And I'm like, that's kind of cool, <laughs> but bad CGI. We, we didn't mention that the way that they end up actually killing Vincent is because Vincent will stab Nick in the thigh. Yeah. And then Carly, acting super quick, takes it right out of his thigh uh -huh. and then stabs uh, oh, Vincent with it. And she doesn't just, like, pull it straight out. She, like, pries it out. Like, wrenches she, she it, wrenches out. it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, God, his thigh. <laughs> But he's already he already had an injured leg, so what you know? <laughs> well, it, it could have gotten the artery. Yeah, oh yeah, bleed out in could. the thigh. Absolutely could have. Yes. <laughs> but that artery is on the inside. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, so the police show up. We find out it's because so All the, the sheriff the sheriff tells a story. He's like, yeah. This this town was abandoned a long time ago. It, no, we knew nobody was living here. Uh, it's not even on any maps. If it wasn't for the smoke from the fire, we never would have shown up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where you're like, hey, wait a minute. If nobody knows about this town, why'd that one dude take them there in the beginning? Yeah. So they're in the ambulance because obviously her he got a he got stabbed in the leg. She got her, her the tip of her finger cut off. And she asks him, are you okay? And he says to her, we're okay. And it's another I want to fuck my sister moment, number <laughs> six. You okay? We're okay. So as they get carried away in the ambulance and you think there's this moment where there's additional tension ramping up. You're like, oh my God, is somebody else driving the ambulance? Yeah, is, is, it it like, the, is it the other guy yeah, in the uh -huh. ambulance? No, no, no. That's not what's happening. But one of the deputies calls up the sheriff. He's on the walkie-talkie or whatever. And he's like, oh, I ran the Sinclair family through CDIC. Trudy and whatever his name is, the, the husband guy, didn't have two sons. They had three. Ran the Sinclair family through CDIC. Trudy and the doctor didn't have two sons. They had three. What a twist! For no fucking reason, it turns out that I was so wrong about the roadkill guy being one of the Sinclair brothers that it wrapped back around to being right. Four for four. <laughs> I am a golden god. <laughs> This is also when I wrote down, wait, Paris Hilton didn't even get turned into wax false advertising. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and as they're driving away, they see him off the side of the road, uh -huh. which is just dumb because it's just like they could just say, hey, by the way, that guy knew about it. Well, who cares? They're getting out of there. Well, I mean, he might still be a murderer. But yeah, but they had three brothers. Like, that was so unnecessary. 
Well, again, they never would have gotten to the town if it hadn't been for that guy. They're trying to wrap up that, but it's with such a convoluted explanation. Like, we even saw the flashback. Where was that third brother? Like, like they kept stuff from the audience that they had no reason to keep except for this fucking reveal at the end, which is really fucking convoluted. Yep. It's like for every really cool thing you get in this movie, there's something that just infuriates you. True. But again, again, it really feels like the writer. So apparently, guys, the writer of this film is the same writer of The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. But Well, they're brothers. It's Chad and Carrie Hayes um, wrote The Conjuring movies. Okay. So uh, here's the thing. I feel like these people love horror. And I feel like, obviously, they love this film and they wanted it, again, to bring it to this generation. And did it have a lot of flaws? Yes. But I really think that they they, they did their best. Of all the movies that came out in the 2000s around this time that are horror movies that are just teen ticket fodder, that are just utter schlock, this got, like, buried amongst them, I feel. Mm Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. way better than you would expect it to be. Yes. Which, again, it, we're not going to give this movie a 90 or anything. No. But, like, you expect it to be... Really bad. Like a 30 or a 40 or something like that. And it's not at all. I I mean, it does have flaws and and everything, but I just think that they they worked really hard to bring something that they loved into a generation that would not have been interested in the original film. You know? uh, but you should be interested in the original film. It's so good. Well, yes, but the, they're <laughs> original not, they, again. In they were not thinking about horror fans, right? Yeah, they were thinking about teenagers. Yep. How are we going to get teenagers of this day and age mm-hmm. to like this film? I mean, you can tell because it's the. I mean, this is probably why so many people wrote it off. It's the movie where, like, hey, teenagers, you like Paris Hilton? She's not an actress, but we're going to put her in a movie. She's actually not that bad. She's fine. She, I mean, yeah, she's fine. We've seen worse actors. Oh, absolutely. We've seen far worse actors. She's not great. Her delivery leaves something to be desired, but she does fine. She does perfectly fine. <laughs> We've seen some really shitty acting on this show, especially, and she is not one of especially them. Especially how annoyed you'd think I would be about Paris Hilton. <laughs> she was fine. So... Kelsey, with all that said, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? 63. 26. <gasps> oh my god! Bearing little resemblance to the 1953 original, House of Wax is a formulaic, but better than average, teen slasher flick. Then why is it at 23? Well, it's Metacritic is 41, which would say it is below average, by the way. Oh my god. Because, again, for those of you that haven't been listening... For all of our episodes, we understand that Metacritic is an average rating, and sometimes they have to futz in order to get everything on the same scale. They futz with like, oh, how do you do four-star ratings? How do you do five-star ratings and convert it to a percentage point? So it's not exactly accurate, but the average rating that it got was 41. That's what Metacritic is. Rotten Tomatoes is a percentage of professional reviewers that walked away with a generally positive impression. Like, if you did a Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down, it's the percentage of thumbs up reviews that they are. You could say, eh, it wasn't great, but uh, I guess I kind of liked it. That would be a positive review, and it would go towards increasing this percentage. 
So 26% of reviewers walked away with an overall positive review. That is way too low. 74% walked away with a negative impression of this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's not okay. I would I would be one of the 26%. 100%. So obviously it's underrated. What would you give it? 69, dudes. <laughs> 69, dudes. That's a little high for me. I mean, it's not in the 70s for me. No. So I didn't get there. But I feel like 65 sounds too low. You know, it might, it might be a 69, dudes. No, I'm going to give it a 67. Okay. I'll give it a 67. I, I love the sheer, I don't know. I watched this movie and after having seen the original, I see the love there and I see the, the care of trying to bring this idea that is very old school but has those dark dark tones that we need yeah right and bringing that to today and, and it's creepy as fuck there's I these good. even the torture porn scenes are just close enough that we don't reject the movie right it doesn't get to the point where i'm just like no i'm not scared anymore now i'm just grossed out yeah no they it legitimately like oh god that's yeah, scary uh-huh. as shit <laughs> yeah was, i surprisingly enjoyed this movie mm-hmm so I'll give it a positive review, which high 60s is positive. So that is the end of our double feature. The late night double feature, feature show. With 1953's House of Wax and 2005's House of Wax. What are we watching next week, Kelsey? Next week is part recommendation, part choice. We will be watching 1943's The Seventh Victim. So how does that tie in to a recommended movie, Kelsey? Well, both Donnie and Jay recommended that we watch Mandy. I'm so excited. I haven't seen Mandy yet because we knew we were going to watch it for the show. Yes. And so we've just been putting it off and putting it off until we could actually watch it for the show. I am so excited we're going to get to see Mandy finally. I hope it's as good as we've built it up to be. I I love the idea of it being like this sort of like fantastical over the top thing. And I'm really excited about that. I, I I want it to be weird and bloody. Well, I hope it's good because it looks good. But we've all seen movies that we thought we because this movie's been built up a lot. We've heard a lot of good reviews about it. And I, I mean, here's the thing. I was worried about Midsummer. Everybody said how good it was. And then I was blown away. So mm-hmm. hopefully Mandy will be as good. Are we going to do Color Out of Space? What's that? It's another Nicolas Cage movie. But it's based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. I can add it to the list. Yeah. I'd be excited to, to see that. It was made by Richard Stanley, who was the guy that was the original director of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Do you remember this story? And then things were going so shitty with the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau that he was fired and replaced. But he refused to leave the island. And so he hid out on the island. What? Yes, and then he got into, like, the costume makeup department or whatever and, and like, dressed up as one of the animals. And so he's, like, in the movie somewhere. Who? The director? Richard Stanley, the, the original director who was fired. What a Stayed on the person. island. And, yeah. That's so creepy. I think, I think there's a documentary about that that I really want to see. 
So yes, he made it's the color out of space. That the Island of Doctor Moreau will never get a real good movie made out of. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the book is creepy as shit, and the original film is actually pretty creepy. But a lot of people think it's hokey, and I I understand why. There's a good Treehouse of Horror from The Simpsons about Doctor Moreau about the Island of Doctor Moreau. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Anyway, we're not seeing that. We're seeing Mandy, and I'm really really excited about that. So that's next week. It's the seventh victim and Mandy about nightmarish cults. That is next week. Until then, you can always reach us on our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like I said earlier, this is where we put a lot of the extra stuff that you can't get in the podcast episode. So please follow us there. You'll see a link in the description for everything we post about this episode. So be sure you follow that. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. Specifically, a five-star written review has the most weight when it comes to reviews. So if you just give us a five stars, thank you very much. But if you do a five-star written review, that's even better. Even better than that is sharing us with your friends. And even better than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Once in his lifetime, every artist feels the hand of God and creates something that comes alive. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing, Queens, till her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. What was she to go? Where was she? Wait. What was she to do? Where was she to go? She was out on her fanny. So, over the... Mm. So over the bridge, from Flushing to the Sheffield's door, she was there to sell makeup, but the father saw more. She had style, she had flair, she was there. That's how she became the nanny. Who would have guessed that the girl we described was just exactly what the doctor prescribed? Now the father finds her beguiling, watch out, CC. And the kids are actually smiling, such joie de vie. She's the lady in red when everybody else is wearing tan. The flashy girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Never? You never watched that show? When was it on? Hold on. Let me find out when it was on. 1993. Oh, okay. Guess that explains it. You would have been six. (laughs) How many seasons did it go, though? It went a lot longer than I watched it. I know that. Six seasons. They did not get a movie. They did, however, make The Beautician and the Beast, which was effectively the same thing. 1953 and 2005's The House of Wax. I think it's just House of Wax. You're right. It is just House of Wax. Hey, Ma, how about a cookie? 
no dice. This ain't over. <laughs> yes, they always want a corpse. That's <laughs> such a great line. <laughs> where the fuck is Snoo? Snoo? Snoo. Where Snoo the fuck Snoo. is... Where this... That's what it was. It was you. You did that to me. Yeah, but that was a weird feeling. I'm sorry. I went to Your touch... Your butt falling asleep? I went to touch my butt. I was like, I don't feel shit. Are my fingers broken? Yeah, it was a weird feeling. <laughs> okay. I'll touch your butt for you. Thanks, sweetie. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry to keep you so late. Red rum! Red rum! Oh. Red rum! Red rum! Red rum! Red rum! I don't want to go there, Mrs. Torrance. Directed by... Fuck, I was going to look up how to pronounce this. Directed by Haume Colette Syrah. Sarah, Sarah, que Sarah, Sarah. No skin off our back, but when we get back, we will talk about. It's no skin off my nose. It's not off your back. <laughs> Maybe it's both. That's not the phrase. Let me record it both ways. No skin off our nose. <sighs> fun, fun, fun. Fun, 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 fun. Looking forward to the weekend. Like, what does this even mean? We don't we're, know. We're just setting up <laughs> that they that don't. Nick does not like Chad. 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 Wade. That Nick does not like Wade. They leave Dalton and Chad Michael Murray. What is his name? Nick. Nick. And they can't drive. Oh, it's a washout. What? From uh, the stand. Oh, yeah. This isn't the head of God. It's a washout. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) But so it's very Tucker and Dale. But the problem is that he is a bad guy. Oh, no, no, no. Never mind. This place is a freak show. I'm writing a letter to daddy. 